Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I'm Randy Carricker, and I just got Alexa Dats to dancing at 7 a.m. <laughs> you love that song. Uh, yeah, I love the song, and I barely had my coffee, Randy, which means I'm in a good <laughs> mood to see you this morning. Great to see you, too. Thanks for having me. It's uh, going to be a wonderful three hours. We're going to talk to Jay Delsing about golf. We're going to talk to Joe Vitale about anything but hockey. And then Tony Baselli, Pro Football Hall of Famer, is going to be on the call on the Chiefs-Bengals game on Sunday. He'll join us in the 9 o'clock hour, and we'll discuss the Blues throughout the course of the day. And this is tough because we become emotionally attached to players and emotionally invested in players. And St. Louis is a different market. We love our guys, right? Mm -hmm. But our guys suck right now. And I've heard a lot. You always hear, maybe too early sometimes, blow it up. But as a Blues fan, are you ready to disassociate from so many of these guys that brought the first cup to St. Louis back in 2019. And I'm talking O'Reilly, Tarasenko. Colton Pareko's not going anywhere. Nobody's trading for Colton Pareko. But Ivan Barbashev, the guys that are left, are you emotionally ready to detach from them and move on to the next iteration of the St. Louis Blues? It's a great question, Randy. And I think for Blues fans, it's a complicated answer because they're frustrated with their guys right now. They don't really see a way out They're not looking at what they feel like is a future with this team right now. But also, what are you going to get in return that you're going to feel really secure about in order to root for, to feel like, okay, now we're back in it. Now now I'm a Blues fan. I'm not ready Mm -hmm. to give up on this team. We've we've got new blood in here, and that's going to make a big difference. I think that's a question that Doug Armstrong really has to ask. And the other part of this, Alexa, is right now, if, if you weren't, paying attention last night. Robert Thomas got hurt. You guys had it, obviously. You know. Robert Thomas might be out for a while. And you already don't have Ryan O'Reilly. you got to have enough bodies to play. So if you trade Ryan O'Reilly and Robert Thomas is hurt for any extended period of time, what are you doing up the middle? In the twig and berries, Randy. (laughs) In the twig and berries. Yeah, that hurt. It hurt me a lot. (laughs) It hurt everyone watching, I'm sure. Uh, Male population, just a a slight slight edge there in the pain department. But um, yeah, that's going to be tough. We hope that he's not out for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. that it was just a situation they needed to take care of yeah. last night, and then he will be back in Colorado. And hopefully he was uh, protected. I mean, th- this is an injury that kept Yadi Molina out for several weeks. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, severe, as severe an injury. Yikes. 
Scary. For, for the rest of time, Yachty would crouch behind the plate and start off with ball one. Yeah. Let's go. Good Good morning. Wake up, St. Louis. We are here. I'm not not even going to play. I'm not even playing the Randy Sounder. That was a fantastic joke, Randy. Kudos to you. Thank you very much. Uh, So the Blues actually had a good first period. They outshot the the Coyotes 12 to 10, and it's scoreless after a period and scoreless midway through the second period when Arizona took the lead. Up the near side it goes, Achari has it knocked away. Kraus brings it in, two on one, they center, and they score. Coyotes will get the first goal of the game with 9.05 to go in the second period. Okay, so I am, as you know, Alexa Dad, I'm a Sunshine Lollipops guy. Yes. Yeah, so... Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful <laughs> is what I feel when we're together. So the Blues are down one nothing, but but let's point this out. Uh huh. Number fifty-five wasn't on the ice mm-hmm. for the goal, mm-hmm. so that, uh, that's a, a positive, that's right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so three minutes later, you think, okay, the Blues can come back and tie this thing. Not exactly. Krug to the blue line with Cairo. Then it's knocked off of his stick, and Jordan's got to recover it, and the Coyotes are going to quickly come on, and they stripped it from him. In it's Maltz, he shoots, he scores. Not hard enough on the puck on the board battle. In the neutral zone, and the Coyotes have made it 2 to nothing. But it's only the Coyotes, and it's only 2 nothing after 2, and the Blues have come back from 2 nothing deficits after 2 periods, right? You can do it in Arizona. Come on, you got a bunch of Blues fans in the stands. Well, 13 seconds into the third period. Clayton Keller is going to bring the puck over the line. Over to Barrett Hayton, he shoots it. Oh, oh it's there. It's behind him, and uh, oh boy, Braden Shen knocks the net off. After review, it was determined that the St. Louis player knocked the net off while the Phoenix player was shooting the puck, therefore we have a good goal. Yeah, yeah I'm going to tell you something. That's the first time I have ever seen that reviewed and called a goal. And... That was pretty much it. 3 nothing at that point. Yeah, Travis Boyd scoring at the 5.02 mark, and then a power play goal from Hayton at 7.16. 5-0 was your final. Yikes. Yeah, to Arizona. To Ari- Yikes. Yeah. Remember when we played Arizona seven in a row during the pandemic? And uh, what I think the Blues might have won four of those. Arizona's always played the Blues tough, but everybody's playing the Blues tough right now. I mean, it, it was frustrating. It was disappointing. That Kairu turnover, and then you got Falk and crew caught watching. A lot of guys cut watching, aren't they? We got a lot of fans goal. on this team. And you had, yeah, and you had Craig Berube basically say, you have five veterans out there and two huge mistakes in the second period, and that's the game. Yeah. That's the big difference. Yeah, it's, re- it's extremely frustrating. Chief, uh, Matthew. Just the Ky- they, they could have 30 regulation losses before the All Star break, yeah. the Coyotes kid. They're terrible. They're, they're pretty bad. So, Chief, what went wrong? Two turnovers in the second period in our net. That's it. Yeah, and then third period, we come out and get scored on the first shift right with there. five veteran players on the ice. There you go. That's exactly what you were talking about. And yeah. it's stuff that shouldn't happen. Now, Colton Preco was only minus one. 
So that's a positive. So, uh, Colton Pareko, what are we doing move, moving forward here? It's looking pretty bleak now. How do you, how do you find a way out of this? I mean, the, the games are dwindling down here. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, frustrating, obviously, for sure. But um, we got to come together as a group. Uh, we got a good group in here, luckily. Uh, we got to pull it together, um, hold each other accountable, and um, just make sure that we're, we're ready for, for tomorrow. We come to practice ready. And then, obviously, two big games here heading into the break with Central Division opponents. So, um, obviously, no, no light games here going into the break. Um, two opportunities to get some big points uh, against some good teams and hopefully build some confidence. Colton Pareko, obviously. Obviously, Colton Pareko. He said it's getting bleak. Mm-hmm. It's a little <laughs> bit more than bleak. Yeah, They are problems. in a bad way. And the biggest question that I think that people were asking after last night's game is where do you place the blame? And should heads roll? And Randy, I, I would pose this to you and, and to all Blues fans, why do we immediately go with the fire the head coach route? Why is that always the first indication when the house is on fire that we need to place all of the blame on one guy? Because it can't be one guy. He can't have lost the locker room this bad, this quickly, that a coaching change is all of a sudden going to revive this team. Last year, people were calling for Craig Berube's job. He turned the team around. He's the guy who got him to show all of the life that they possibly had left Mm -hmm. and got him into the postseason. But now all of a sudden, he's not capable of doing that. And the only difference is David Perron's not here. I don't buy it. First of all, it is the nature of the beast. And it's it's a sad nature of the beast. that The first thing we do want to do is fire people when things aren't going the way we expect them to go. I don't expect this group of players to play to a high level. And I'm 100% on board with Doug Armstrong. This is a bad year. Everybody has in sports has a bad year. This is not a very well-constructed hockey team. So that's one part of it. The other thing is you and I are syncopato here because they say you can't change the players. Yes, you can. Yeah. You can change the players. Sure. And we know that Craig Berube can win a Stanley Cup. We know that Craig Berube can develop young players. We know that he can get players to play hard. And this is on the group of players. Doug Armstrong said it after eight games. He said, I told those players, coach isn't in trouble. You guys are the ones that have to turn things around. And I hope that Doug Armstrong is still feeling that way. And he's ready to turn things over in terms of the the group of players that they have here. When you have the GM come out and basically assure the head coach his job is safe and tell the players it's on them, you guys are going to show me what I'm going to do with the trade deadline and this is what they're doing. Well, Mm -hmm. he's basically got a free ticket to do whatever he wants yep. without any repercussions. Alexa, I was telling Matthew before we came on the air, we had a point about 20 years ago where for 40 consecutive Stanley Cups, former Blues coaches had about half of them. Scotty Bowman had nine, Al Arbor had four, Jacques Demers had one, um, Joel Quimble had three. The league was littered with former Blues coaches that won Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. They weren't bad coaches here. They weren't any different than they were here. They just had better players to, to play with. You don't get rid of a guy who you... Th- this is face of the franchise leadership stuff. This is really important. And you don't get rid of a guy because a bunch of players aren't playing hard. What you do is you change the players. That's right. And that's going to be the biggest situation come trade deadline that Doug Armstrong's going to look at and say, okay, well, if these guys aren't playing hard enough for me, I'm going to find guys who will. So we want to hear from you. Are you ready to disassociate from the players? Or 
do you think it is on the coach here? You can leave us a mic drop with the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. And uh, as we take your mic drops throughout the course of the the show, uh, we do want to urge you to to call in, and we'll have a segment or two where we hear from you about the St. Louis Blues. Football, kind of a surprising hire yesterday in Carolina. The Panthers hiring Frank Reich as their new head coach. Steve Wilkes will look for a new team, probably to be the defensive coordinator of. The former Mizzou defensive coordinator, after a 1-4 start, led them to a 6-6 six and six finish. I was mildly surprised that Frank Reich got another head coaching job so quickly. Why is that? Because I I don't think that he got that group in Indianapolis going to their highest efficiency. Now, it's, as it turns out, a really dysfunctional organization, right, Jimmy? You're being the owner there. But Reich was... He oversaw their acquisition of both Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. Said, okay, I I can do it with these guys. We're good. And then... He gets the quarterbacks in there and it doesn't work out. Now, maybe their front office in Carolina thinks, okay, we've got a quarterback or we can get a quarterback that he can win with. And he's very well liked. He was extremely well liked within that organization. Rick Venturi, who sat in your chair and in, in uh, on this station for a long time, does Colts color now, loves Frank Reich, thinks he's a great coach. And Rick coached for 41 years. So I, I take him at his word. I'm just surprised that the perception around the league was that Reich was still a viable coach. Uh, coaching candidate, and I'm glad that he got the gig. Yeah, and I think there's a shortage of head coaches is a huge problem, mm-hmm. in especially the offensive NFL guys, right? And offensive guys who can, yeah, who have that mindset. And if that's what you're looking for and fits your system, why not? Yeah, and so the number of jobs continues to dwindle. Evidently, nobody wants the Arizona job. Nobody Isn't is that interested. Unbelievable. Yeah, nobody wants to deal with Kyler Murray. Nobody wants to deal with the contract. Nobody wants to deal with an organization that hasn't won a championship since 1947. Mm-hmm. They've been in one championship game. And it's pretty good uh, sample size. Everything has changed except the ownership. And we, hey, we, we've got a lot of people. I'm a, still a Cardinal fan. I want them to do well. But when you go that long with essentially futility, it's not the coaches, it's not the players, it's not the general managers. It's at the very top. Yeah, and you don't want to be caught up in that. You don't want to walk into the fire. Why? Why set yourself up for that? But it is kind of disappointing. And Kyler Murray, man, he could be such an incredible talent. And you would have the mm-hmm. opportunity to work with a guy who has so much potential. But when it just looks like it's almost irreversible, yeah. why go take the job? And with him, you don't get him until next season. And I know that Science and technology and medicine is so much better now. But we aren't going to have a five foot nine pocket quarterback, Alexa. He's going to have to be able to move around and he's got <laughs> right. a tore up ACL. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So Arizona's still open. Indianapolis, that's another dysfunctional one, still open with Jimmy Ursay at the top. Oof. And Denver is still open. So, oh, that's right. So, And the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator yesterday. Who was the offensive coordinator in Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers was there for a oh, couple of years? I wonder why they did that. Interesting. That'd be <laughs> fun, huh? You have to believe that Rodgers and, and Favre were texting, right? And Rodgers said, hey, what do you think? And Favre probably said, yeah, you should do it. But if you're the Jets, I know it's worth the risk for sure, 100%, to hire Nathaniel mm-hmm. Hackett because you could potentially get Aaron Rodgers. But if you don't get Aaron Rodgers and then you're just stuck with Nathaniel Hackett and like he's not that oh, good of a man. play caller right. and you know he's just there, <laughs> like, that's kind of, that's bad. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> really bad. You're in a bad way. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, it's a little short-sighted, I believe, for the Jets, but okay. All right, sure. Because you really want to get your guy. <laughs> and the Jets have a history of doing goofy stuff like that. So oh, that yeah, part of it that's is for great. sure.
You mean like it was a bad idea when the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett to try to lure yeah. Aaron Rodgers and it not great. didn't really work too not well? Not oh, great. but don't worry. It'll definitely work in New York where Aaron Rodgers is desperate to go <laughs> right. while it's on. And also, the Jets aren't a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. No, they need so some other things. they need things. a lot more. Yeah. And if they don't get Aaron Rodgers and they have Nathaniel Hackett, it's just like good also, luck. Also, you guys are just ignoring the fact that Nathaniel Hackett has coached a quarterback to an AFC championship game before. And I just think this is the great comeback of Blake Bortles. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yikes. <laughs> so, Alexa, yeah, that's yikes. Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up, it is championship game weekend. The 49ers Niners and Eagles, Bengals and Chiefs. Who do we have and why next on 101 ESPN? You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I thought I had a good day yesterday. Um, obviously, it's things you had to work through here and there. Um, but overall, uh, probably better than I expected, being able to go out there and, and throw the football around and get the reps in that I needed to get in. Uh, today will be another test. It's a little bit harder practice, a little bit uh, more speed. We've done a lot of ankle and knee and, and foot stuff, especially after my last few injuries I've had. Um, and I think that's prepared me to bounce back quickly here and uh, be able to be in a good spot. I think progressively I've gotten better throughout the week. Um, and I'm just going to try to keep doing that, keep that same uh, mentality and uh, uh, push it, but then at the same time be ready to go uh, whenever the game the game comes up. That is, if you didn't guess, uh, the Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs are back to being a one-point favorite now that he's practicing again. The over-under for that game is 47.5 on Sunday. It's the late game, 5.30 on uh, Channel 4 here in St. Louis and, of course, right here on 101 ESPN. We don't know about that ankle, but, Alexa, I ask you this. Does Patrick Mahomes need that ankle to be great for the Chiefs to win this game? No. I don't think so either. I think he's got such exceptional arm talent, and the receivers are better than people thought they were at the beginning of the season. We know how great Travis Kelsey is, but you have Smith-Schuster, you have Eldez-Scantling, you have Sky Moore, and then out of the backfield you've got Pacheco. We tend to forget that they're also missing their lead running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They have so many weapons, and we, we were talking last segment about Kyler Murray never becoming a pocket quarterback. I think Patrick Mahomes, if he's not mobile, can still be great. A hundred percent. And I think that this football team is so smart to be able to develop schemes around him if he doesn't have the ability to be mobile in that game, that it's it's going to be a closer game than if he was, but it's still going to, which is going to be way more entertaining for us, which mm-hmm. I'm excited about, so that'll be fun, but he, they're still going to win the game. Stop it. It's Patrick Mahomes. But it's a, it's Joe Burrow on the other side. And he's the new Joe Cool. I got to be honest, this hype over Joe Burrow, I'm just not buying into it. Really? I'm, I'm not like, everyone's like, oh, is he going to get the next face of the NFL if he beats Patrick Mahomes? And I get it. The undefeated against him, whatever. I just, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling it in my NFL bones. I get that. I get that. But here's the thing. With I, him. I'm, are you ready to say that Joe Burrow's the next? Was that a Chris the Berman next... impression? Yeah. Okay. Are you? Alexa, <laughs> that's honestly are the you question re- I had. I'm not ready to anoint him the face of the NFL, even if they win the game. And by the way, they've beaten the they Bengals have beaten the Chiefs, the team, three times in a row. It's not Burrow over Mahomes. But here's the thing True. that I love uh, because Cincinnati's kind of like St. Louis. We're you know Midwestern towns. People they don't, they don't take vacations here unless they just love our free zoo, right? It just doesn't <laughs> happen. But Joe Burrow. 
on his shoulders has brought swagger to the city of Cincinnati. He's he's dragging a city with him, which I think is really cool. That is cool. And Kurt Warner did that here, and it was awesome. And I see a lot of Kurt Warner in Joe Burrow, and his coach, Zach Taylor, was talking about how he sees the field differently than most quarterbacks. He sees all 22 faster than most, and that's that's why he's he's able to play at the level he does. There's plenty of things he sees well before I would. I wouldn't be, I obviously can't do what he does. Nobody can. Um, but he just, that's why he operates at a different level. He uh, starts with protections. It starts with, you know, coverage looks where he's got all those little tells where he can just, you know, take a pretty good shot at what they're going to be in. And, and if not, he's he's already got his response of where he's going to go with the ball. And so he just, he's able to play really fast that way because he can see the whole field. And again, that's the preparation that leads into the game. And then he's able to play really fast when he walks out there on the field. Alexa, Zach Taylor could have been talking about Kurt Warner in his prime. That's exactly what Kurt did. He walked up up to the line of scrimmage. He knew when the ball was snapped where he was going to go because instinctively he saw the field so well. Zach Taylor talked about seeing all 22 at one time. It's like they're a computer. And Kurt saw the field that way. And Joe Burrow sees the field that way. And Regardless of what breaks down around him, he's able to do things that other quarterbacks just can't do. I, I disagree. I think being a quarterback in the NFL means you have to see the field. You have to see all 22 guys. That's just a that, that kind of comes with the territory of that position. That's why there are so few NFL quarterbacks. You have to be elite and be able to have that skill set in but order here's to pull that position off. You have to have a skill set. But if you watch Josh Allen play and watch him try to run around and get out of the pocket and stuff like that, and then you watch Burrow drop back and let it fly. That's the difference, is some guys are really indecisive. Joe Burrow is never indecisive. He just he drops back, and that's what Kurt did. He dropped back and let her fly. Do you think Patrick Mahomes seems indecisive? Patrick Mahomes is the best. He's the best guy. <laughs> There's no doubt. And I just I give Burrow a ton of credit, but I believe that the best arm talent in the league and the best brain talent in the league is Patrick Mahomes. Doesn't matter what the talent is around them. I love Joe Burrow, as you know. But there's only one quarterback in the league that can drive a team 50 yards in 13 seconds, and we saw it last year from Patrick Mahomes. That kind of defined what he is. That's 100% how I feel. And also, it's interesting, too, because when we decide who the face of the NFL is, it's hard to waver. It's hard to knock that person off of the pedestal. Mm -hmm. Even when you have somebody else coming up, they really have to provide you something leaps and bounds over the guy that's already been anointed the face, right? Alexa, once Joe Burrow is hanging out with Jake from State Farm, I'll buy into him <laughs> being right. the face of the NFL. <laughs> My commercials, I love them. <laughs> now, Philadelphia will host San Francisco on Sunday in the early game, and Jalen Hurts, 15-1 and as a starter this year, has to take on, arguably, yeah, I'm not even going to argue, the best defense in the NFL. They're really good all across the board, you know, and starts off with their front seven and, and then having a really good defensive back group. They fly to the ball. They're disruptive at every position. They're, they're well coached. We have a task in front of us. We have a really good challenge, really big challenge in front of us. And as always, we just want to go out there and execute, you know, try and be efficient. Are you surprised by Jalen Hurts? Not that he's playing in the NFL, but he's playing this well in the NFL? Yes. I am too. And I, I, I thought somebody should draft him. I thought getting him in the second round, no, nice. 
He's got a chance to be a pretty good quarterback. I didn't think he had a chance to be a great quarterback. I agree. And I was like, okay, this seems like a, a good fit for him mm-hmm. in Philly. And they can make some magic happen. But nowhere in my wildest dreams was I like, this guy is going to be such a superstar that he has become. He is so smart on the field. And obviously we know he's incredibly athletic and runs well and controls his offense uh, you know, unlike any of the quarterbacks that we've seen in Philly in a really long time, and they have been desperate for a good quarterback. What, so, since McNabb? I mean, think about it. When's the last yeah, well, time Philly's Car- had like a really good quarterback? A really good, because Carson Wentz had that part of a good season, right? Yeah. But, but he was not was never great. Nick Foles won that. a Super Bowl, but that, he was never great. Right. I think we do have to probably go back to, uh, to Donovan McNabb. I've always had either dislike or at the very best... Uh, like a benign feeling about the Eagles, even when they were in my own division. I, I was never really a fan. Then Chris Long there goes there for his couple of years, and I become kind of an Eagles fan. I like them, but I like San Francisco better this weekend. I I think San Francisco on the road with that defense and the weapons that Brock Purdy has to choose from, I I like San Francisco in this game, and I really had to dig deep to find out why I liked San Francisco in this game. And, Alexa, it comes down to their offensive line against Philadelphia's defensive line. I think San Francisco's going to be able to run the ball and protect Brock Purdy. Don't you think Brock Purdy got a little exposed, though? And I think also his nerves started to show. I mean, he's a baby. This guy's what I get three, four, five, six starts in the NFL under his mm-hmm. belt. I mean, he's such a child that it's going to be interesting to watch that unfold on such a big stage. And I think I'm telling you, last week I was like, all this hype around this guy, Mr. Irrelevant, now he's playing in such a big game, but that's the case. That's actually fact. And mm-hmm. we're not really following that as much because there are so many other, you know, factors that go into it. Obviously, they're very strong defense and they've got a great old line. They can run the ball, but it still comes down to the quarterback, I think. Yeah. And I think he's just too young for this spot right now. If well, let's start with Kyle Shanahan, his coach, on what he's seen from Brock Purdy. He's been great. I mean, he um, he just tries to soak it in throughout the week. I mean, it's always harder on Wednesdays when you get so much and you're not going to get it right then. And he doesn't seem to over panic about it. He takes each rep, walks through the meetings, every clip we show. You can just tell he is locked in and just building up information all the time. And um, that's what you want players and coaches to do. It's never a final product on Wednesday, but um, you work your butt off throughout the week and usually by Saturday night is pretty clear, and that's what he's shown. He's been able to handle the pressure throughout the week because sometimes it's, you want to go out there and look great for all your teammates, but you don't always know that on Wednesday and Thursday, and you just keep reviewing the tape, keep going through the looks, and you make sure you're there Saturday night so you can sleep comfortably and wake up extremely confident. Now, Alexa, there's a strong consensus that Kyle Shanahan is the best coach in the league. Troy Aikman says he thinks that. Mike Mertz told us that earlier this week. But if, if Shanahan's the best, I'm the second best, okay? So what I'm telling Brock Purdy... <laughs> is if anything breaks down around you, look for number 23. Uh Get the ball into the hands of Christian McCaffrey. If he's covered, throw it out of bounds and live for another day. You're talking about how nerves can affect any player. On that stage, NFC Championship game, so you go into a play and you're thinking, okay, I'm going over the middle to Kittle, but Kittle is covered 15 yards downfield. Don't look around for Sam Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. Look for 23. And know where 23 is going to be. If 23 is covered, get rid of the ball and play another down. Don't turn it over. Randy, I'm having a hard time getting over that audio from Kyle Shanahan. He sounded like he was talking about an intern. Yeah, he, he really did. Not did. Yeah, sound like right. he had full on, you know, full blown confidence in his no, quarterback a, that he's going to go out yeah, there and win. Yeah. 
He's been great. He really pays attention. Yeah, that's, you're right. Exactly. He's like, on Wednesday, maybe he kind of has it, and then yeah. he gets a good sleep, and like we'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah. It's it so bizarre. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody really knows. Oh. I mean, the guy, he was drafted with the last pick in the draft. Yeah. But some guys just turn out. Some guys wind up being better than you thought. And physically, we, we all saw the quotes from Nick Saban this week about when Purdy visited Alabama. Yeah, physically, he's not the guy. But I always go back to the guy who essentially built the core of the Patriots dynasty and then built the greatest show on turf here. His name was Charlie Army, great general manager, great talent evaluator. And he always told me, he said, okay, if you line up without with his shorts and T-shirts, you line up Randall Cunningham, who the Rams worked out at one point, Tony Banks and Kurt Warner and say, okay, pick out a quarterback. You're going to pick Randall Cunningham first, Tony Banks second, Kurt Warner third. Mm-hmm. The, the skill sets of the other two were off the charts physically. Uh-huh. But we like we talked about, Kurt had the computer in his brain. And Brock Purdy might have that computer in his brain. That's true. He also has a lot of weapons around yeah, him. It right? helps. That defense. Whew. Anyone, any quarterback would want to play yeah. with that defense. So are you picking Philadelphia because of your hatred of Brock Purdy? Yes. <laughs> so Not so much Philly, hatred, Philly, but I just, I, I, I like, like Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I like him. So, I think he deserves it. And I think Philly, even though I'm a Commanders fan, so it's mm-hmm. weird for me to go in, in the division. But I just think that um, seeing a good quarterback in Philly reminds me of McNabb. And I loved McNabb from when he was with the Commanders. So. so Alexa has the home teams. Yes. Philly and KC. I'm going to go with KC, but I'm going to take San Francisco to uh, win outright. Alexa Dat in for CD. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up, we're going to talk some golf with our buddy Jay Delsing. He's always fun. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our buddy Jay Delsing has golf with Jay Delsing every Sunday morning here on 101 ESPN. And he joins us here on the opening drive every Friday. And it's always great to talk to Jay. Jay, Alexa is here. You guys know each other well. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, you guys. Good morning, Alexa. How are we doing? Good morning, Jay. Good. How are you? Oh, uh, man, I, I, I struggle to watch our blues, man. I Oh, man, I played some lousy golf. I can remember some times where you just, you know, after three holes, you're four over every day. That that game last night reminded me of that. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is not, well, the thing is, it doesn't give us hope, right? It, it, it would be nice if they lose 3-2, we're kind of saying, okay, well, at least they were in the game. You lose 5 nothing to Arizona, and sports is all about hope. And this morning, we're sitting here with no hope. <laughs> Right. You know, the other team is good. The other team, I'm not saying they're, they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but they're, can, they're, they're professionals and things can happen. But five to nothing, you know, it's, you're right, the hope has kind of left the building right now. Yep. Hey, Jay, how do you feel about this little set to, and we talked a lot about the conflict in golf between the Live Tour and the PGA Tour, and it really was taken to another level this week with Rory McIlroy snubbing Patrick Reed. How do you feel about that? Is that ultimately because they're playing in the same tournament this week? Is that a good thing? Oh, man. I, I, I cannot believe that P. Reed would go over there and try to shake hands with him after subpoena him on, on Christmas Eve. I, I, it just shows you that Patrick lives in a world that, that not many of us live in. <laughs> you know, after what he did at, uh, at, at Tiger's tournament where he, 
you know, one of the things you do, you guys, when, when you're a kid is that you, you learn some of the, the hard, fast rules. You do not touch the sand with your club in a bunker. And I mean, honestly, you guys, if I went and did that now at 62 years old, it would almost feel like my head would lop off because I've been so trained to never do that. And he did it twice in one situation and then denied it. You know, it's, it's, it's impossible to deny. It's something that you've been taught to do, to not do since you've been a kid. And so he could have been said, yeah, you know, I don't know what happened to me. I just lost my mind and this happened. And so you wear it and you move on and nobody thinks less of him. But to deny it and then do the things that he did at Torrey Pines when he, you know, deliberately broke a professional sequence and how you're supposed to handle a situation like he did. This guy said, I don't know, is on a different planet. And now he's suing everybody and all these lawsuits with crazy amounts of money, 450 million, 750 million, they're all being dismissed. You know, he walks over to Rory after, you know, including him in this lawsuit and expects him to, I don't know what he was expecting. Yeah, I don't either. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I, 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 the fact that they're playing in the same tournament almost gets overshadowed. And then the, the teeth throwing thing, I didn't get that at all. That's somebody making up, you know, there's, there's enough to talk about. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, that, that did seem bizarre to me because it's like, why are we stooping down to that level at this point? You're throwing tees? How old are you? And how does that 60, change? 60, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and how does that change people's perception of Patrick Reed? You know, Alexa, one of the things that I, where, where I was with Patrick before he went to live was, you know, everybody likes a black hat. Let's have somebody that's, you know, the guy can obviously play. He's won the Masters. He's, I don't trust him at all. You know, if, if I was playing with him, I would be watching him at all, and, and it would probably screw up my game, but I would be watching him at all. And now, at all times, and now with this, He's just got no no sense of awareness whatsoever. I mean, dude, read the room. You know, first of all, there's a massive divide here anyway. You're on the dark side of that, no problem. That that fits with who you are and what you do. But but what Rory and the stance that Rory's taken, and to know that you had something to do with disrupting his family holiday by, you know, including him in the lawsuit, get get a, get a grip on yourself over here, man, and and just stay at the other end of the range. And you know what would really do a lot of talking? Just beat Rory in the tournament. Yeah. Let your game do some talking mm-hmm. instead of all this nonsense. Hey, Jay, one other golf thing, and this is in regards to Tory Pines this week. I was telling Alexa during the break that this is, to me, kind of the tournament where everybody that is going to be in the Masters starts to turn it on. It seems like this is kind of the week where everybody really, and you played, so you know, and tell me if I'm wrong, but this seems to be the time of year where everybody really starts gearing up for the Masters. Yeah, you're right, Randy. It's it's, it's interesting because, um, and I and I think that kind of came along with the way Tiger did his schedule back in the day. You know, so Tiger was the first guy to skip the Tournament of Champions over in Maui, which... Man, that didn't make any sense to me. I mean, last place was a guarantee of a hundred, hundred and some odd thousand dollars. But obviously, told you where Tiger's head was with the money. But then, you know, Tory was where Tiger would really kind of begin his year, and I think he's won the event what seven or eight times. And it was really when the better players started coming out and playing um, 
all the time. And, and uh, you know, Philly Mick is from San Diego, and so he played there a lot. And it, 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 it almost felt like some sort of weird – um, beginning of of the of the tour for some of the better players. So you're right. And the and the golf courses are super fun to play, and uh, the setting is beautiful. Um, and it's it's uh, and Farmers has been a great, um, uh, gosh, tour partner for for so long. Their commercials are fantastic, and they 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 now have the APGA event, you guys, on Sunday, which is really a super cool deal because they started the event as you know um wednesday and finish on saturday so they don't have to go up with the uh nfl and the championship sunday and then they also televise the apga event which is really a cool it's the advocate uh pga event for mostly for african-american and underserved um in, in our community and it's Really, really a cool thing. All right, Jay Delsing, one last thing. I want Alexa Dat to give you a favorite type of wine that she has, and then I want you to give her a recommendation at Wild Crush. So, Alexa, take it away, a type of wine. By the way, Jay, I was at the baseball writer's dinner, and your wine was supplied for dinner, and it was excellent. It helped me calm down before I got on stage (laughs) in front of 400 people to do an interview. So, uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, Favorite wine, Randy? Cab Okay, Cabernet Sauvignon. What do we got, Jay? Oh, man. So, well, we have some great Wagner wines, as I showed you and Andrew when you guys came out. Um, They're a little bit on the pricey side, but what I'm going to give you if you don't want to spend that kind of money is the Louis Martini. It's one of my favorites. It's been around for a while. Our buddy, our great friend, Bernie Federko, one of the things I remember when I've I've been over at his house quite a few times, you guys, and left in, in some other altered states. But the the the, the, the cabaret, he's he used to pour that all the time. I'm like, damn, Bernie, this wine is great. He's like, yeah, and you know, he had a connection and 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 was was serving it, and and I think you really really like it. It's one of my favorites. It's a pr- probably a middle priced uh, wine, and it never disappoints. Okay. Sounds good to me. I'm in. Great recommendation. And Wild Crush, by the way, opened this weekend, right? Yeah, we did. We did. And, um, man, we're you know what we're waiting for, guys, is for everybody's uh, New Year's resolutions to get thrown by the by the board here. <laughs> we're all a little slow. But, yeah, yeah we're open, and uh, we've got live music tonight, and we'll be there. Love it. And as, as Mo would say, Jay... It's all about hope, big boy. It's all about hope. <laughs> hey, have a great weekend. I thought you were going to say, not great. <laughs> we, well, that's, it hasn't been, no doubt about it. Thanks, Jay. Talk to you soon. Take care, guys. See you. Jay Delsing. You can hear him uh, with Golf with Jay Delsing on uh, Sunday morning here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. And that number is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! We've got to take it or leave it. Coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. I want to say something. I want to put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. (laughs) 
The text line is 314-399-9646. Alexa Dad is in for Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and Alexa, there are reports that LeBron James' son, Bronny, could make $7.5 million in name image likeness money when he goes to college. Take it or leave it. If there is one athlete in America that should not choose a school because of NIL money, it's Bronny James. I'll take that. Choose the school, right? <laughs> if Duke isn't offering any NIL money, well, I guess Krzyzewski being gone is, changes that. But For sure. if your favorite school, whatever it is, isn't offering the NIL money, Dad's got a few bucks. He does. He does. <laughs> and what's the point? Why get wrapped up in it if you don't need to? Yeah, right. Basically selling yourself for pennies. Yeah, take... If you have to go to school, go to the best place for your basketball, if you're Bronny. Oh, Bronny. Man, those are big shoes to fill. I feel bad for him. It's going to be a tough uphill climb for him. It is. And that happened with Michael Jordan's kids. You know, yep. one of the kids, well, I guess it worked out for one of them, but uh, the other one, because he's dating Scottie Pippen's ex. Uh, but the other <laughs> one played at Illinois and never, never even played. And if you're Bronny... The expectation, you're 100% right, Alexa, is going to be that he be LeBron. And so many of the scouts are like, he's not, and yeah. he's not even close. Unfortunately, it's just the name. And not that he's a bad basketball player. He He's good, uh, and he's got the skill set, but it's it, nowhere near LeBron. No. But the comparisons are just going to be there Unfortunately all day. for him, right. Charlie Woods is going to run into the same thing, by the way, when yep. he gets up into, and plays pro golf. 100%. Although he'll have a, a cleaner image than his father just off the bat. Because true. He won't have to, I hope so. <laughs> he won't have to go through all of that. Yeah. Randy, take it or leave it. The World Baseball Classic will negatively affect Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado down the stretch offensively. Alexa, I would love to be able to leave this. But Goldie was talking about how the intensity of the World Baseball Classic is similar to the intensity of a stretch run or the playoffs. And you're doing this before you've even had practice. Right? Yes. You're, you're doing this as the very first thing you do for a baseball season. I'm going to take that, that all of these players will suffer in some way, shape, form, or manner because they're putting their best foot forward when normally you're playing at... 60%, 75% easing your way in. These guys are 100% right off the bat. Logically, it would make sense to take this, but I'm going to go the opposite of logic and I'm going to leave it only because Goldie and Arenado were one for 15 against the Phillies in the postseason <laughs> last year. It can't get any worse. That's true. It can't get any worse. Throw the That's World true. Baseball Classic in there, make it better. Let's bookend the seasons with postseason type runs and then maybe if you know there's some futility in the middle I'm fine with that mm -hmm. in the dog days but let's make the beginning and the end really strong the scariest world baseball classic on the Cardinals for me the, the scariest participant is Wayno yeah because Wayno rather than playing six months and then hopefully October seven months and I don't know if any 41 42 year old body is ready to sustain over the course of that time, high-quality pitching. You would hope the adrenaline is what keeps him going. Just like Albert Pujols. Mm -hmm. He knew this was his last series in X City. And that fueled him to a different level. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the same for Wayno. All right, Matthew Rocchio, what do you got on the old text line? 314-399-9646. Take it or leave it. Bengals, 49ers in the Super Bowl. By the way, I read that Susanna Hoffs, speaking of the Bengals. Yeah, bang, bang, Bengals. 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 
Bengals. Bengals. Bengals. Yeah. Bengals. Yeah. But there was a group in the 80s called Bengals. the Bengals, Bengals, and Susanna Hoffs was their lead singer, and she had a birthday last week. But anyway. It's just another manic you, 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 Thank you. Do you, know thank who, you. Do you know who broke me on that? Ooh. Who like I, I used to say Bengals fine, and then I started saying Bangles because freaking Action Jackson oh. down the hallway so goes has bangles. A, has, has, says Bangles. Okay. And he broke me, Randy. Can, you reread, the, can you reread the question? I was Bengals. just- uh, Bengals? Bengals. Bengals Bang. versus Bengals. No, it's the Bengals. 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 Bengals or Bengals? Bengals is a Bangles. football team. Bengals <laughs> is a musical group and or Walk like a, an Egyptian. Walk yes. like an Egyptian. The exact same as a football team. Okay. the same. What's the question? He has 49ers and the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Take it or leave it. No, the Bengals won't it. be there. The yeah. Bengals will be home. <laughs> <laughs> leave it. Uh, no, I, th- I think it's Rihanna this year. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am so excited for, yeah, let me tell great. you. She's going to crush it. Take it or leave it. If Thomas is out long term, the playoffs just went to 0% chance for the Blues. I'll take that. If he's gonna, out for long term, yeah. I'm going to leave that because I think that they were at 0% before, potentially. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, no, I don't want to. I'm not ready to bury this team yet, even without Robert Thomas. Uh, I'm, I just have so much hope that they're going to, to turn around and get it together. But I'll be sunshine and lollipops today, Randy. I like that. Here we go. Do you have this thing up? Uh, yep. It's always about hope, big boy. That's right. Wow. Always about hope. Wow, what a perfect drop, Randy, because we just got two take it or leave it. Can you actually hit that drop again for me? Sure. It's always about hope, big boy. Take it or leave it, Mosellock's favorite Star Wars movie is episode four, A New Hope. Take it or leave it, Mosellock's favorite Sandra Bullock movie is Hope Floats. It's always about hope, big boy. Hope. Mm-hmm. We love hope here. Yeah. And so does Mel. That is the most perfectly timed a random drop has ever worked with us getting text on this text line. <laughs> that was... It's oh, going to be more than hope, though, God, for the Cardinals this year. that makes me so happy it worked out like There's that. There's going to be a lot of talent. Um, take it or leave, within the next three years, either Thomas or Cairo are not on the Blues. Leave it. Leave it, yeah. yeah we where, are they get, where are you going to move that contract? Where are you going to send them? For what are you asking for in return? Oh, I don't get it. Yeah, what? no, they're the they're the centerpiece right now. Those are the nucleus. You build around them. It, yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the classic conundrum. If the if they could trade the contract, then he's playing well enough to the point where you would not trade him. That's the, that's the classic mm-hmm. conundrum now with these yeah. young players. If any other team would take a young player struggling, they then he's not struggling to the point where you should want to give him away. Well, that's the problem. The Blues are never really going to struggle to the point where like you're going to get a number one pick. No. They're just going to kind of be in this oh, no, I don't know. Suck mediocre hard for Deba- spot, I mean, potentially. Uh, try hard for, Deba- for Bedard. My bad. Yeah. Use hard for Bedard. That's it. You just don't trade in this. Well, there was never a day and age where you traded a 24-year-old point-of-game player. 25-year-old point-of-game player. just no. doesn't happen. That's not happening. That's how you win. That's not... That's not what you trade, unless you're a terrible organization. And the Blues are not. No, they are not. Take it or leave it. Jamar Chase goes for 150 yards on Sunday. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that, too. That's high. Yeah. One thing, and obviously Spags has had difficulty in containing Burrow and has a ton of respect for Burrow. But one thing about a Spags defense is that he gives every quarterback a look that he hasn't seen. And he does have a propensity many times, not all the time, to take away the other team's best player. Hmm. Now, that being said, one time the Baltimore Ravens came in to St. Louis, and I think it was, was it Torrey Smith that scored three touchdowns in the first quarter? And they, a uh, cornerback named Justin King was on him for the first one, and the second one, and the third one. And we would have <laughs> Spags on, 
And every Monday he would come on, and you got to ask the question, did it ever cross your mind maybe to give Justin King a little bit of help? <laughs> I asked that, I think in a friendly manner. And he said, yeah, we, we, we thought about it, but to, once we started doing it, it was a little bit too late. <laughs> <laughs> Tori Smith, great guy, by the way. Yeah. Awesome oh, fantastic, isn't he? Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love, love Tori Smith. Find that game. And that was the game, by the way. Just uh, one other quick fun fact for you about Spags. Yes. By the way, personally, I, I like a lot. Mm-hmm. But my alma mater, the Parkway North Vikings, mm-hmm. purple and white, were going to be the band at halftime for the game. Uh-huh. Spags finds out about it. Ravens in town. Parkway North wears purple. He says, no, they can't be wearing purple. <gasps> can't be wearing purple. No way. Yeah. So the Rams oh, bought what? the Parkway North band black t-shirts. <gasps> Because he didn't want the band playing wearing the same color as the opponent. That is that's the wow. sort of stuff that Spags thought about. Wow! And oh, one of my heroes, Dick Vermeil, Hall of Famer, uh-huh. always said, "Don't worry about that stuff. The main thing is the main thing." That's right. And he said, "In an organization, if you're a football organization, the main thing is football. That's All right? right. Worry about football. Don't worry about the extraneous stuff. The t-shirt color of the band members." That's really sad. The head coach of an NFL team. That's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. You got one more for us so that we don't have to end on a sad note? (laughs) Well, uh, I saw a projected Cardinals lineup with Donovan hitting fifth. Take it or leave it. That defeats the purpose of getting Wilson Contreras. Yes, I would take that. As a matter of fact, Alexa, I have Donovan in my top two. I had a 394 on base. Yes. And I have either a healthy, productive Tyler O'Neill or Contreras hitting fifth. I, I like those two five six. Yes. Contreras is, is in that five hole for sure. Yeah. And my X factor for the number two spot in the order is Carlson. I don't want to have Newt Barr and Donovan, two lefties back to back. Are you okay with the leadoff guy? Changing up? Yes, totally. Because we do have that information, and I'm not a huge analytics guy, but if you have one guy that, over a reasonable sample size, has a 4-10 on base against a pitcher, and the the other regular guy gets on base 28% against that pitcher, why go with the guy that has the 28? Why not go with the numbers? I agree when you see the numbers, but when you look at the last handful of teams Mm -hmm. that have won the World Series, most of those lineups have... A legit, secure yeah. leadoff guy. And, and I think with Newt Barr, Donovan, and Edmund, I think the Cardinals have three guys that can do it and all do it well. Would my preference to be be to have one guy? If Tommy Edmund had a 340 on base all the time, he's my guy. Yeah. We've seen in spurts, all three of those guys have success right. at the top of the lineup. It's just not sustainable. Yeah. And it, by the way, if I hit Edmund leadoff and Donovan second, and then you got Goldie, Arenado, O'Neill or Contreras, O'Neill or Contreras, they feel pretty good, good about that. I and do. then Carlton or uh, Dylan Carlson uh, as your number seven hitter. I like Carlton instead, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we could get lefty, that'd be good. That's no, I, <laughs> no I, I like that lineup. I mean, that that feels strong to me, and yeah. I don't feel like there's a, a major weakness there. That's the thing. If you're another pitcher, is there a guy that you pitch around so that you can get to the next guy? And I'm with you. I, I don't think that that exists with the lineup that we just laid out there for Ollie. So, uh, Ollie, don't even pay attention to what they give you. Just listen to Alexa and Randy. Yeah, and don't pay attention to any of the band members' T-shirts. <laughs> no, be fine. no. It did happen. <laughs> next up, we're going to play Stud or Dud. One guy we didn't have in that lineup is Nolan Gorman. Is he a stud in 2023 or a dud? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. He's working on getting on top of the ball. It's no secret how pitchers uh, beat him last year, uh, forced him at the top, and he had a hard time laying off. And when he swung, he had a hard time getting on top of it and catching up to it. So uh, he's worked the entire offseason on exactly that, setting his sights lower, but also mechanically getting to the point where let's not swing at, at the ones that aren't in the zone, but two, mechanically being able to get to that pitch at the top of the zone. He's making progress. That is the Cardinal skipper, Ali Marmol, talking about the progress of Nolan Gorman. Obviously, for the first half of the last season, most of us said, hey, get him up here, get him up here. And I, I was one of those Alexa that said, let's be patient here. The guy hasn't been in the major leagues yet. What he's doing at AAA, which was great, might not translate to the major league level. And then what happens when major leaguers discover that you can't hit the high fastball? What are they going to throw you? Fastball. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what happened to him. And hopefully he can, Nolan Gorman can get to a point where he, because he's a good fastball hitter, and when he hits the ball, he hits it hard. Hopefully he can get to a point where he hits the ball more regularly. But what was the issue down in AAA? Struck out too much. Mm Mm-hmm. And that ended up being a huge problem when he got up to the majors. I remember last season, at the beginning of the year, I would go sit down in Ali's office, and I'm very direct, and he laughs at that, but I think he also enjoys it. I sit down and I go, when are you calling up Gorman? (laughs) When are you calling up Gorman? And I asked him for about the first month of the season, right, until eventually I was like, okay, I'm getting sick of asking him because he's basically giving me the same answer, which is, well, we have to wait and see. So when he did eventually end up calling Gorman, it was after that Mets series, we're in his office, in New York, and he basically looks me dead in the eye and goes, and we're calling up Nolan Gorman. And I just looked at him like, what? (laughs) Oh, wait, the thing that I've been asking you about all season long is finally happening? Okay, here we go. So here starts the Nolan Gorman era, and it's like, okay, this guy has so much power, and you see so much potential in him. But he has this major weakness, not able to work on it throughout the season. But now he's got the offseason to figure it out. If that's the case and defensively, you can rely on him with the shift, which is a big question mark, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I He's obviously a huge upside for the Cardinals, but there are a lot of question marks here with him. He's got the power. Last year, 313 plate appearances. And he struck out 103 times. Yeah. You can't be striking out a third of the time you step to the plate. And by the way, his OPS, 721. If you can get that up into the 800 range, pretty good. 29 extra base hits. Had the 14 homers. I'm I'm sorry, 27 extra base hits. So there are elements of his offensive game that you really like. But I do believe, and again, you were talking about the shift. Offensively, if he can get his bat on the ball... He's going to have an, a whole lot better opportunity if he doesn't strike out. Just get your bat on the ball because a lot of what he did when he did get the bat on the ball was hit right into the shift. He needs to have an on-base percentage of better than 300. Yes, and you see the explosiveness off the bat, so you know that there's so much skill there, and you don't want to just say, like, okay, uh, that's all he is, this one-dimensional baseball mm-hmm. player. You have to develop that further in order for him to be an impact bat in this lineup. Now, I wonder defensively, Alexa, if Nolan Gorman at second base is viable. Is he a guy that you can put in the middle of your uh, defense, center field, shortstop, second base, catcher? 
can you win a World Series with Nolan Gorman playing second base every day? I wish I could answer that question. I would lean towards no right now, but my mind can be changed. It'll be interesting to see how the shift affects everyone in mm-hmm. baseball this year. And I, I don't we haven't seen it. We have not seen Nolan Gorman playing in that situation yet. So I'm not ready to say that that it's not, you know, feasible. Um, but you you want somebody with maybe a little bit more defensive range, yeah. you would think. And when you have Brendan Donovan on the team, or and you have brought this up, and I know people that are listening don't want to hear this, but don't push the button on the radio just yet. <laughs> But if Paul DeYoung hits 350 in spring training and gets on base 40% of the time, he's probably going to start the season as their shortstop. That's a defender I like. Yep, a and, lot. and then Edmund at second, and then you have the best defense in the National League. That's you right. already won the gold, the team gold glove. Your defense after winning a team gold glove would be enhanced if you have DeYoung and Edmund rather than Edmund and Donovan. And we're going to see so many more hits this season because of the shift. You're not yeah. going to see a guy, you know, knock one out to that shallow left and, and there be a guy just standing there waiting for it. It's just not going to happen. So you have to be uh, more flexible this season and you're going to have to be able to find guys who are going to be able to cover those areas. Okay, so we've given you this information and... I I have to make a decision here because the name of the segment is Stud or Dud. Mm -hmm. I, Alexa, am going to say that ultimately Nolan Gorman is a stud. He was identified by the Cardinals as a first-round draft choice. He's always had a bat that plays. We have the DH in the National League. Ultimately, I think he is going to be a player that, if I'm going to put a plus or a minus next to his name... I'm going to put a plus next to his name. I'm going to go with him as a stud. I 100% agree with you, Randy. He is 100% a stud. He's here to hit for power. That's what his role is. And yes, can you uh, build a little bit more out from that? For sure. He's a rookie. Mm-hmm. He's so young that y- you have to make sure that you don't just label him as one thing, but that's the strength that he's playing to right now. And also, you you want that left hitting, left-handed hitting slugger who can come in and do damage at any point where if you're the DH and you're looking at a guy like Nolan Gorman, you go, oh, this, is, this could be a problem because this mm-hmm. guy could crank it out of the yard. And so also offensively when he came up, he was above average for the first couple of months when he was, you know, in the majors and he slumped towards the end of the year. But if he figures out a, lo- a way to be more consistent, then all of a sudden you have another weapon. And I guess you have to put it in this perspective, too, because where is he going to be hitting? If you have a number eight hitter that hits 28 home runs, which is what he was on pace for, and 30 or about 27 doubles, and just a number eight hitter, just put leave the other numbers out. If you have that kind of power from the eight hole, you're eight. Uh, you're in pretty good shape. I agree, especially if he ends up figuring that high fastball out, which is the mm-hmm. main thing that he's working on all offseason. Yeah. If you have one singular focus and you don't figure it out, then we have a problem. But if that's the goal and you end up accomplishing that goal for this season, th- then what are we talking about here? We're talking about a stud for sure. We're talking about a at least 30 home run guy without the shift. Last year's batting average 226. I'll bet that batting average goes up to 260 mm. because he hits the ball so hard over the second baseman's head. That's right. I mean, if he just hits league average or slugs league average essentially against fastballs, we're talking about another 
four or five home runs and three in like five or six doubles just just off in that his, number of at bats in, in, in that, exactly in just that number at bats yeah. so I mean it's just that it's crazy that that's the case kind of bugaboo it's, it's a weird thing he's got a weird heat map if you look at it there's certain spots where he just cannot hit the baseball and teams are going to figure that out so he's got to cover himself there but more importantly when teams make mistakes we saw this with Pujols for years when teams make mistakes and give you high heat you got to take advantage of it. And if he can change that, it completely changes the, his profile back to what we were talking about and projecting this time last year. And we have to remember, and Alexa, I talk a lot about our microwave society. We want it now, right? Yeah. <laughs> the guy turns 23 on May 10th. He's, he's 22 years old. He's a baby. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's the guy. I always go back. This is always fun. Back in 1988, the... Uh, Boston Red Sox were trying to make the playoffs, and they needed a right-handed reliever. And they traded a young player to the Houston Astros to get a right-handed reliever, young corner infielder, Nolan Gorman, young corner infielder. The guy became Jeff Bagwell. Mm. And Larry Anderson pitched in, well, he pitched for two months for Houston, and then in the playoffs, they didn't win the World Series. You just have to be patient sometimes with young athletes, whatever the sport. Of course. And there were so many rookies who came up last year. We talked about this yesterday that had so much success. And obviously, they're going to have weaknesses, too. And again, it's a glaring weakness, but it's one glaring weakness. It's not like this guy's got a whole slew of things we need to fix about him. And he's had this experience up in the major. So why not let him take that experience and take some time in this offseason to figure it out and then come back and, and let's criticize him once we get, you know, halfway into the season, see where he's at. Alexa, Randy, 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Joe Vitale. I think they're in Denver now. So we'll talk to Joey about uh, what he likes about the mountains. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Alexa Dad. Joe Vitale, Randy Carricker. Uh, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, both of you join me here at 101 ESPN, but both of you do pre- and post-game shows on Bally, Joe now and then, Alexa all the time. And so uh, this is kind of like Joey V. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Randy, what's going on, Alexa? Good morning to you. Yeah, you know, listen, Randy, we'll let you sit in for this one, but we are pretty big time, obviously. And uh, I, I am going to make a little bit more time for the radio bits here. But, yeah, it's, it's been a great TV week for me. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I would say I'm the one who's the odd person out because I'm new to St. Louis. Working with both of you gentlemen has been an absolute blast for me. Joey V, we had an awesome time on Bally's doing pre and post the other night. Randy, you having me on your radio show has been an absolute blessing. Thank you so much. You're a joy to work with. So I think I'm the odd one out here, but I'm having a blast. And it's Friday morning. So Joey V, we are so excited to talk to you about basically everything uh, that doesn't involve what you do for a living <laughs> because that that was so brutal last night. Joey V, what is going on? Five nothing. You get shut out by the Coyotes, who you know are, don't even have a, a home to call home. And it, the the whole night, you're just shaking your head. 
You know, this, these games, Alexa, and Randy, I know I've told you this before. There's the expression in sports, let's just sweep this one under the rug, right? Well, when I was a kid, we didn't have rugs in my house. I had six kids. My mom and dad had six kids. I was one of six. I was right in the middle. So we didn't have rugs because they were constantly getting milk spilled on and, you know, crumbs, and it was just basically a breeding ground for bugs. So we didn't have rugs in our house. So whenever someone had to sweep the floor, you know, usually it was usually it was the younger son and the younger daughter. So my sister Josie was the youngest girl. My young, I was the youngest boy. So the youngest always had our job was sweeping the floor. So we didn't have rugs. So that, that term I never understood out of the rug. We would sweep it into the air vents. I saw these air vents on the floor when I was about seven years old. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. It's a contraption for dirt and crumbs <laughs> and cereal and gummy worms and things like that, crayons, whatever, you know, Batman toys. So we would literally lift up these air vents. We would sweep everything from the floor in these air vents because we thought that's where it went. And I swear to you, we'd eat dinner, we'd make pasta, and we'd be all sitting around, all eight of us at the table. And all of a sudden, the AC or the heat would come on, and poof, you'd see all these crayons and crumbs and stuff <laughs> up in the air. And my dad would just look at us and just shake his head. So I never understood the term, soup it under the rug. I've always understood the term soup it into the air vent. And I think last night to me, that one would be under the category of let's just soup that one into the air vent. But like, like the air vent taught me, it will come back and at some point. But just not this morning. We don't, we don't need to touch on it. Uh, okay, good. Let's, let's move on then. Uh, <laughs> so the, the classic line, one of the, one of the first lines that couples ever ask themselves is mountains or beaches. Joey, you've had mountains for the last couple of days in Arizona and now in Denver. If you're given the choice between the mountains of Arizona or Colorado or the beaches of California or Florida, what are you going with? Oh, beaches all the way. Listen, I went up mountain once. I went up mountain once. I kind of, I did my Daniel Boone thing. I went up tears then. I was in Vail. I mean, listen to me. I'm I'm really rustling in Vail. You know what I mean. I was I was in the, the nicest part of Colorado. I decided to go on a on, on a little hike myself. I'm not. I, I don't think you guys ever done that. But I was scared the whole time. Like every every step, I'm looking up in these trees. You know, these mountain lions will get you. Like these mountain lions just hang out. And there's more mountain lion attacks nowadays because people keep entering deeper and deeper into the woods into their territory. But I was scared the whole time that a mountain lion was going to jump on me. Finally, I heard a noise. It was actually one of those mountain goats, which which are amazing creatures. Have you ever seen these guys run up and, and girls too, for that matter, run up and down these mountains? Uh, they got these little two these two toed hooves. Have you ever seen these things? These two toed hooves, and they got these really widespread feet. And they were able to kind of go up down these mountains here. It was amazing to see them run. And uh, I didn't see any predators chase them. But if you ever watch on National Geographic, they're running away from predators up and down these mountains. And they can jump like 10 to 12 feet up in the air. So fascinating creatures. So uh, one of the most fascinating creatures are in the mountains, Randy and Alexa. But for me, uh, I can watch them on TV. There's no need for me to go back in the mountains. It's, it's, it's dangerous out there. I'd rather, be, I'd rather be on my treadmill just climbing up a 15-degree incline. Joey, how did your suitcase look packing for this trip? Because you're going to Arizona, which is hot, and then you've got Colorado cold, Winnipeg, pretty freezing, right? You've got a a town that has buildings basically connecting to each other so you don't have to go outside. So is your suitcase just exploding right now with all sorts of different seasonal wardrobes? I'm a minimalist. I'm a minimalist, Alexa. I keep it very simple. People always laugh at me because they they always admire how small my suitcase is. I have one carry-on. Because, listen, I have a suit pants, suit jacket, and, and, and an over jacket. And then from there, you just throw in a couple extra shirts and a few extra pairs of underwear and socks and some workout clothes, workout shoes, and that's it. Well, of course, your adopt kit. Can't preach adopt kit. I played, in, I played with Rob Scuderi when I was in Pittsburgh. And when we were in Pittsburgh, we had a lot of overnight trips like Columbus, New York Islanders, the Rangers, Boston. I mean, it was quick. You, you go there, you're one night, you come right back the next day. Rob Scuderi would only bring adopt kit. He just had that small little bag. He'd have his, his toothbrush, his toothpaste. 
his deodorant, and then he pulled up his tie and put it on the outside pocket. Right, there. I mean, he was like the most minimalist player I've ever seen. So I'm not quite to that degree. Uh, but aside from aside from spilling stuff on my shirt every now and then, I really don't need uh, much else uh, beyond that. But uh, hey, I was at a restaurant the other day. Dude, this is good. You, you guys are smart people. Check this out. So I was at a restaurant the other day, speaking of spilling stuff myself, and I started stacking the plates. I was with a friend. We had a nice breakfast. I started stacking my plates after we were done eating. And we're waiting there. I kind of clean at the table. My friend said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just stacking, I'm stacking the plates, helping, helping our lady out just so she can. She goes, you know how rude that is? I go, rude stack plates at a restaurant to help the waitress? What are you talking about? So he started going into this whole thing about how apparently when your guys sit out at a restaurant, it's rude to stack plates and collect utensils. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever encountered anything like this? No, I do the same thing, Joey V. Why is it rude? He says it's rude because it's sending a message to all the other customers that the wait staff is behind. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And then he went on further to say, and this actually kind of makes sense. I guess a lot of these restaurants, they have a system for cleaning plates and utensils. So they have like a swipe off system. And I've never worked at a restaurant, but apparently there's like a swipe off system. And each restaurant does it differently. So when you stack it, for example, like if you have a plate on top of a plate with ketchup, now you got ketchup on the bottom when maybe they wouldn't do it that way. So then they got to clean the bottom versus just the top, which that kind of makes sense. But yeah, it's kind of one of those, one of those weird ones I've never really quite understood, but he certainly got me thinking. I, I, we need to get texts in on this, 399-9646. Joey, another thing I do is when I leave a hotel room, I'll take all the towels and then just wrap them up in the biggest towel and put it up on the counter for the, the maid who's servicing the room because I want to make her laugh. I don't want her to have to bend over and pick up my wet towel. So I just put them all in one towel and leave them on the counter when I leave. Listen, I'm with you, Randy, all the way. I, I'm all about making people's lives a little easier to take care of me. My wife is really, really good about this. Uh, Alexa, I don't know if um, you and your fiance have someone clean the house. Randy, I'm not sure if you and your wife and kids have someone clean the house. But we have one lady clean our house every two weeks because, again, it's just impossible to keep up with five kids. And I will, it, the morning before our, our cleaning service ladies show up, it is like it is like complete mayhem in my house. My wife is on her hands and knees. She's scrubbing. She's cleaning. She's doing laundry. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, the clean the clean team's coming. I just want to make sure it's coming. Like, this is their job. Like, what? What have you gone completely mad? Like, have you? It's like, no, I just feel bad. Like, there's toys in the ground. There's like stains on the table. I'm like, honey, honey, like, please get a hold of yourself. So I, I know I know a lot of moms out there like this. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but it blows my mind. The whole, my whole life, I've always had the fear of the cleaning person coming to my house because I have to clean before the cleaning person gets there. A hundred percent. This is amazing. That, that is a real thing. You have to pick up before the cleaning person comes. Real. This is a real thing, Randy. My mom, my wife was talking to some of her friends about it. They all do it. Everyone is just like up at 5 a.m. They're vacuuming. They're disinfecting. and They're literally prepping it. For the people who are going to prep it for you again, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, honey, like we got, we got to get a hold of ourselves here. So at least I'm not the only one. Thank you. It's have, really real. I have, I have a friend who told me this is so incredible. A friend who told me the, the the same thing happens at her house. She cleans when the cleaning crew's coming over. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, but it's great. It's real. It's a real thing. I don't know where it started, but it's crazy. But it's real. Okay, so Joey V has a day in Denver. What what does a day off in Denver look like for Joe Vitale? Well, a day off in Denver, uh, it's going to be quite easy one today. There's a great trail. There's a great trail right outside our hotel between the ball arena there and the Four Seasons where we're going to be staying. So there's going to be a great trail there. I always like to hit it. Even on those cold mornings, 
it's just good. I mean, Denver's great. I mean, you guys have been to Denver. I mean, it's it's cold, but it's sunny, and so that's what's it's nice to kind of get out there a little bit. They have a great bread scene, a great bread scene in Denver. They have a lot of great uh, weed out there, so I try to hit a couple of little bread shops around the area. Um, I'm kind of a Whole Foods nut. I'm kind of I, I love a grocery store. I can just walk around a grocery store all day long. Whenever it's grocery time in my house, I'm always the first one to jump on it. I like taking my time. I'll go down aisles. I don't even need to go down. I'll end up I'll end up spending you know you know way more than I need to. But uh, Whole Foods is right by there too. So I will literally kill an hour hour and a half just walking up and down the aisles. That's awesome. People people typically look at me like the workers. They're like, is this guy trying to steal something? What is he doing here? Is he lingering? Like, what, is he homeless? What, what's going on here? But uh, that that's where I kind of will be and. You know, it's it's going to be um, a good day off here. A quick little reset, obviously, for the Blues, just to touch on it uh, a little bit. I was just kidding earlier. But, yeah, it was a tough one last night. So a good day off here in, in Denver is certainly going to be something I think the Blues need to just kind of get a little reset. We were at the Mullet Arena last night. And first time there, guys, and we were really up close and personal to the game itself because that's kind of where the broadcast booth was. And it was nice to see, like, that to me, the emotion, there was so much emotion in that game from the Blues standpoint. At one point in the third period, Jordan Cairo turns the puck over, comes back to the bench. Craig Berube's barking at him. He's got his hands up here. He's yelling back. Tara Single slams the door. I mean, without a doubt, I mean, I know things are tough right now, uh, but I will say there's just so many competitors on this team, and frustration is certainly starting to boil over here. So it's all about trying to channel that frustration here in the next couple of days, get a quick little reset before facing a very good Colorado team who just lost on home ice to another bad team, the Anaheim Ducks. So two good teams losing to some bad teams, and, and it's going to be interesting to see Colorado and Winnipeg before they enter into this break. Hey, Joey V, real quick before we let you go, choose your fighter out of some of the guys that we've seen scrap recently. Levo, Barbashev. Neighbors. Neighbors. Who you got? Well, I, I'll go uh, option four there, Robert Bortuzzo. You know, he, I, of course, I, I grew up playing with him. We were in the minors together. I've seen him fight some just big boys. I mean, he, he's fought some of the toughest guys in the National Hockey League. And, and I say Robert Bortuzzo because he's just got those long monkey arms. He just, he, I mean, it's just so like, like um, what's that, what's that orange What's that orange monkey with the big arms? That a ch- not chimp. Orangutan. Orangutan. Yeah, it's like a orangutan. He's got like a little orangutan arm. Like he, he just his arms are so much longer and lengthier than his body should should probably put up with. But he just got that long reach. And I know you know you think you think of fighting in hockey, you think of strength, you think of feistiness, you know anger. Uh, it, to me, so much of it is just length. I was talking to Paul Bissonette, a uh, former teammate of mine who does the Arizona pre and post. Talking to him for a while last night, we had a great chance to catch up. Here's another player. That I play with in Pittsburgh, he made a great career for himself in Arizona. Now he's just obviously blowing up everywhere on TNT and spitting chicklets. But here's another player that you know he fought some of the biggest guys in the league, and he was not that big. You know he's a pretty slender guy, but he's just got those long arms. So when you got a long reach, to me that's everything. I don't care how tough you are. If someone's got you uh, at distance with long arms, you can be the toughest, strongest, hardest hitter in the world. But if you're not connecting, it's not really doing anything. So to me, Robert Bortuzzo uh, would be the kid, the kid I fear still the most. On this team, and you know, guys, he is activated off the IR as of yesterday, and I would not be surprised if we see him uh, come Colorado on Saturday afternoon. All right. Joey V, have a great day. Enjoy the uh, the Whole Foods, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Randy, you keep doing a good job. Not, not, not quite as good. You're doing fine. Alexa, he's doing fine. Hang in there. You know, we got a we got a couple. Uh, we got an amateur in Randy. You got a pro in me. But you, you, you keep picking up the slack for Randy's character, will you, Alexa? <laughs> I'll try. I'll try, Joey. <laughs> Love you, Joe. Thanks, guys. Have See a you. good day. Have a good weekend, now. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks. That's the great Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. Yeah, he caught me off guard when we did uh, pre and post because I forgot about his love for Nat Geo. And oh, he uh-huh. was talking about Tage Thompson, and he was describing him as a baby giraffe. And he got into <laughs> explicit detail on how a baby giraffe is 
uh, born, comes into this world, wanders around for a little bit before it, it, it finds its own. So uh, it, <laughs> I just said, he's got the words, we got the numbers. Coming up next, we'll show you stats. <laughs> That's how I went to break. <laughs> That's Alexa. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight for you. Do you have a fighter? We do have a fighter already, which is good. A fighter fight, not physically, no fisticuffs. But uh, we'll do the uh, the fight with sports trivia next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive with Randy Carricker and Carrie Davis. CD is taking the day off today. I am Alexa Dat filling in for Carrie Davis. And it is time now for my favorite segment on the show because Randy Carricker gets to flex his muscles on average Joe listener and put him in his place. It is the fight, ladies and gentlemen. And today we welcome Bob to the fight. Bob, good morning. Happy Friday. How you feeling, Bob? Great. How are you? Doing good. How's your sports knowledge? How is your confidence this morning, Bob? 50-50. What sport are you the strongest in? Oh, baseball. Okay. Good thing we got a lot of football for you today. <laughs> it's basically four football questions. But, Bob, listen, we got a big weekend of football coming up, so we got to start getting the people excited. What do you want from me? we got to celebrate. <laughs> it's Rockio. Blame Rockio. It doesn't go <laughs> yeah. well for you. I'm sorry, Bob. All right, Bob. Let's start I'm with sorry. question number one. Joe Burrow has five playoff wins for the Bengals. In the previous 52 seasons, since he has five playoff wins total, which QB had the majority of those wins? Was it Ken Anderson, Boomer Esiason, or Andy Dalton? Ken Anderson. All right, happy birthday to Billy White Shoes Johnson. Known for his eccentric celebrations, Johnson played one year in the CFL in the middle of his career, and then which NFC team did he remake his return to for the second half of his career, winning Comeback Player of the Year in 1983? Was it the Atlanta Falcons, the Washington Redskins, or the Los Angeles Rams? Los Angeles Rams. All right, Bob. Who is the Rams franchise all-time leading rusher? Steven Jackson, Marshall Falk, or Eric Dickerson? Eric Dickerson. And, Bob, who was the first quarterback in NFL history to get a win against all 32 NFL teams? Was that Matt Ryan, Brett Favre, or Peyton Manning? Brett Farr. All right, we will double check our score. We will bring in Randy Carricker. Bob, how are you feeling right now? Feeling pretty good. Okay. I like the confidence because it's Friday and you have the Megamind who is about to enter the room. He is fueled up on grapes and what are you drinking? Propel water? Yep. Is that raspberry flavor? This is, it's berry. You know, the black cherry is the best. Black cherry is the best. But I get mine. I get it in, like, bulk Bulk. at Costco. 
And so you have to deal with those other flavors. That's yeah. the unfortunate part about bulk. I actually, w- one time, and they said they would consider it, I actually sent an email to Propel and said, <laughs> why do you have this ridiculous kiwi strawberry? Why not put the black cherry in the three-pack? Yes. But And they said, we'll consider it, but then they never did it. So you get, <laughs> get berry grape and then the terrible kiwi strawberry. Kiwi strawberry is the weakest link, that's for sure. No question. All right, Randy. Welcome, Bob, to the fight. Bob, uh, he did pretty well. We're going to see how he did based on your answers, Randy. But you want to say hi to Bob today? Bob, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing? Great, Randy. Good morning. Appreciate you being a part of this. So Bob's strength is baseball. Mm -hmm. So um, naturally, we asked him a bunch of football questions this morning. (laughs) And so uh, Bob did okay. Okay is not great, Randy. We'll see how greatness <laughs> rains down on the fight. You okay. can tell, obviously, who I'm pulling for in this one. Randy, let's start with question number one. Got it. Joe Burrow has five playoff wins for the Bengals in the previous 52 seasons since he has five playoff wins total. Which QB had the majority of those wins? In the previous 50 seasons, they had had five playoff wins? Previous 52 seasons 52 since seasons. he has five playoff wins total. Okay, so we're going back to 1971, correct? Mm-hmm. That's 52 seasons. Well. 52 seasons before Burrow got there, so 68. Okay. Technically oh, this, okay. Oh, uh, so they had. Five before Burrow got there. Okay. Well, Ken Anderson had to have two to get him to the Super Bowl that they lost. Boomer Esiason had to have two to get them to the Super Bowl that they lost. But I think they might have had another playoff win in that era where Forrest Gregg was their head coach. So with that being, it's one of these two. Who had the majority? Okay, 1989. um, 1988. How good were the Steelers? Not great. Trying to think of one of these, if one of these players had to uh, win a wild card game and have three wins to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I think I'm going to go with Kenny Anderson. I'll go with Kenny Anderson. All right. Happy birthday to Billy White Shoes Johnson, Randy, known for his eccentric celebrations. Johnson played one year in the CFL in the middle of his career. Mm-hmm. Which NFC team did he make his return for the second half of his career, winning Comeback Player of the Year in 1983? Wow, 1983. So he played for Houston and Atlanta. Who did he play for first? I think it was the Falcons second. I think it was Houston first, CFL, and then at Stupid to take the lifeline here because it's one of these two. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with what was his return? 1980. He returned. He returned return. in 82. He, he won the comeback play of the year in 83. Okay, just for a stipulation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm thinking that White Shoes was with those good teams in Houston that played against the Steelers. Should have won. Bad call. Uh, with uh, Burrow and Renfro and all those guys. I'm going to go with Billy playing with Houston first and Atlanta second. Okay, question number three, Randy. Who is the Rams franchise all-time leading rusher? Steven Jackson, SJ39. All right, Randy, and who was the first quarterback in NFL history to get a win against all 32 teams? Okay, well, this would uh, reduce the pool. 
and it might be, well, hold on here. <laughs> I'm going to do the lifeline because one just popped into my mind. I don't think it's Brady. I think it's one of two guys, and I, th- I know they're going to be the other guys, but I'll do the lifeline anyway. It's going to be Breeze and uh, Manning, isn't it? Is it Matt Ryan, No. Brett Favre, or Peyton Manning? Hmm. Brett Favre. I don't know if he ever played against... Well, he would have played against Packers with the Vikings. Would he not have? And he played a long time. Hmm. That's a great one. And uh, obviously his career ended in 2009. So I will go with Brett Favre. All right, let's tally up the answers. All right, another tough fight today. We had all NFL questions for a caller who was hoping for some baseball, but I'm sorry, it is NFC AFC Championship weekend coming up, so there's nothing I could do there. (laughs) Also, the baseball question didn't go well for me yesterday. So, was the football questions enough for Bob to get a win, or does Randy continue his clean sweep through 2023 into another easy weekend? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Bob. Randy, Randy, Randy. I'm sorry for both Alexa and the questions now, Bob. Randy got you on a 3-1 win. It was a tricky one with all the football today, but thank you so much for uh, playing. Thank you. All right, let's go through those answers. Joe Burrow has five playoff wins already for the Bengals. In the previous 52 seasons before he got to Cincinnati, they had five playoff wins total. Boomer Esiason got the third win for the Bengals mm. over in Ken Anderson, of course, the two to get them to the Super Bowl. You Boomer both picked Esiason. Kenny Anderson, by yes, the way. So, yeah, yeah, lots of love. Three off there. Happy birthday to Billy White. Shoes Johnson, by the way. I, I threw this out there because Kerry Davis said this one day, and I love it. He goes, he goes Billy White. Shoes Johnson. You meet him today. Is wearing white shoes, yeah. which I love. I love the dances. I you know the funky chicken dance, just the way yeah. the Billy White shoes Johnson. He's committed one to of, the bit. One of my yeah, favorites. Totally. Started off as a kick return and wide receiver with the Oilers, went to the CFL, and then finished and then played the second half of his career with the Atlanta Falcons. Randy got that one correct. When you say Houston Oilers, you're talking Super Bowl. Do you miss that? Do, was it? Wasn't do you it? miss like fight songs for teams like professional teams? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So he, he always hums the Redskins one whenever we, uh, whenever we people have a my age. There. If you hear do 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 Symphony it is, but it was also the fight song for the St. Louis football Cardinals. This wasn't dun, 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 No, that's a different one. What is that one? <laughs> I, have no I have I have officially lost the uh, the thread on this one. That's Sorry, another Beethoven. Don't worry about it. The it's my favorite Beethoven. Ram. This, is it the one they play with Bugs Bunny? Is that Beethoven? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's Beethoven. That's the fifth. Or Bach. I think it's Beethoven. Don't throw out other. 
Don't throw at other composers like we know what we're doing here. Um, number three, who is the Rams' all-time reading rusher? Randy got that one as well. It is, in fact, Steven Jackson, 10,138 yards. Eric Dickerson's number two with 7,245. And Falk is number three with 69.59 in Rams' all-time history. And the first quarterback in NFL history to get wins against all 32 teams. There have now been three. First one was, in fact, Brett Favre. Second one was, in fact, Peyton Manning. And Randy, off of the options I gave actually knew who the third one was. The third one to ever do it was in fact Drew Brees. But the first one ever Brett Favre. A 3-1 win for Randy Carricker today in the fight. And again, Bob with a... With a oh, jeez. This is Billy Stacy of the St. Louis Football Cardinals and the Cardinals are charging. <laughs> See, again, you, Alexa had, like, the first, like, 10 seconds and it changed on her. Yeah, but that was going a different direction for me. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That was a football card to fight song. Hey, I do miss those. I do miss those. The Dolphins still have one. Do we have it in the system? Oh, do you have yes. We, can we play that for Alexa? Oh, yeah, let me find that really quick. I mean, yeah. Washington had the best one. The best one ever. The best one ever. Do you know the words? You know what? I You'd know have to words. play it for me. You know yeah. that I was a uh, fan, right? We talked about this. Yes, we did talk about this. Uh, yeah, it's the best... It's better than any college fight song ever. It's like Whoa. the best fight song ever. It is the best fight song ever. I grew up with it, so. Here's this one's pretty good though. Which I, one's I, this? I don't, I don't have T Pain yet. Hold on, hold on oh. a second. T Pain? Yeah, he uh, T Pain did a fight song. I'll give you this one first. Oh, this is yeah. Awesome. To the rescue. Victory. I don't think this segment's PC anymore. Nope. Rains <laughs> on the warpath. No, that's definitely not PC. Fight for all DC. Runner, passer, score. We want a lot more. Beat him, swamp him, touchdown, let the points soar. Fight on, fight on, till you have one. Sons of Washington. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> That's impressive. Oh, man. Definitely not PC. Uh, If you watch the 1987 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 22, just go to YouTube and type in and look, watch the 22 minute Super Bowl highlight video. It's unbelievable. It was like (laughs) one of the great games in the history of the league. And one of the great lines from NFL films is, and by the end of the assault, Everybody in the stadium knew the words to hail to the Redskins. They got everybody <laughs> singing the song. It was cool. Now, here's the current one. This is the current winner. Is this really T-Pain? Yeah. <laughs> How great is that? <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah. And they stole Probably it because they're Houston. too embarrassed to play it yeah. in their stadium. Yeah. That was originally the Houston song, and then they sold it and repackaged it with T-Pain for the Dolphins. I mean, that song is that song is so, like, 2000 and, like, 8, it hurts. It's great. Yeah, like, like so like 2000. Yeah, stuck in that stuck era. Stuck in that era. Yeah. Uh, so we've had a lot of fun here, and we need to, we actually, uh, we, we blew off a segment, so we've got oh, rock and roll. Oh, did you reel it in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got, we've got rock and roll next. 
next time 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Okay, before we get to rock and roll, 30 seconds. We have a great boss here. Our general manager, John Kioski, is terrific. Isn't it fun just to have the GM walk into the studio and just hang out for a bit? Yes, that was very entertaining. Yeah, so he's good. Spilling all my secrets. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I thought I had said that in confidence, but apparently yeah, not quite. Not. I love it. You're radio station. station. There's microphones everywhere. I know. Yeah. The walls. Hot mic. Yeah, people at radio stations like to talk. <laughs> All right, Rock, what do you got for us? We're on the PA system when you said that. Sorry, we didn't tell you. Um, So quick question. So here's the thing. We have an update on a story we talked about yesterday. There was the court invader for the Uber Eats delivery at um, the Duquesne gym over the weekend or or earlier in the week. And, well, we now have some news, which is it has been confirmed that it was a social media prank. A photo evidence has now confirmed that the person delivering onto the court had a microphone. Now, here's the thing. I haven't seen what the actual results of the prank were, what the point was, or like the TikTok or social media posts that I'm guessing is coming because the crazy thing is this is exactly what I thought would happen. Everyone's pointing that out, and now Duquesne has to go through an entire review of their safety protocols for their gym because you just can't be having people walking onto a court like that. But it's just insane to me the way that social media pranks and things go. I remember a few weeks ago, the the Stephen Curry five half-court shots um, or full-court shots thing went viral, and then it took about a day before the Warriors to admit that's edited footage, by the way. that You just can't believe anything that happens in the moment anymore. And the fact of the matter is, Monica Sellis did happen. All right. She was on the court. She was playing and she got stabbed in the back mm-hmm. by a deranged fan yes. that walked out of the stands. So you do have to take every precaution to protect the people that are on the field because there are nut jobs, lots of nut jobs that are out there. Let's spin this positive. Favorite pranks. So far this season, I talked to Miles Michaelis, who'd grabbed all of the hotel keys for the rookies, hid in their rooms, and then jumped out and scared them beautiful. when they showed up in their room. That's good. Thought that was beautiful. That's good. And then back in the day, Kevin Kiermeyer told me a great story growing up when he had to pull a prank on a teammate. He would replace their deodorant stick with cream cheese. <laughs> and oh, they would just slather great. themselves with cream cheese and then go play and just reek in the hot sun oh, all day man. long. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's great. So... I've got a couple for you. Number one, the great Chris Long. And I think he actually told this story to us. We probably have the story. But for a road trip, he hired a carpenter to build, move rookies' cars. There was a field across the street from Rams Park. And like five or six rookies, he hired a carpenter just to build sheds, no doors, no windows, during the weekend while they were on the road around (laughs) these guys' cars. So... They get back to the parking lot, no cars. And they're clicking on their horns and their lights, and they hear the horns across the street. They go, there's only a shed. And it's the middle of the night. It's two in the morning. Oh, no. So they actually had to hire their own carpenters to tear this stuff down the next day and get their cars back. Oh, my gosh. The effort that you have to go through to get it. That's good. The Chris Long pranks are legendary. Uh, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was... No, somebody had Adam Wainwright's, might have been Izzy. Somebody had Adam Wainwright's uh, pickup up for auction. It was driving around the uh, track at uh, Roger Dean Stadium. Mm-hmm. And the, the PA announcer is saying, hey, this you can win this raffle, win this truck. And Adam's looking out. 
That looks like my truck. That is my truck. And then uh, the Cardinals had a player with some substance abuse issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, another player, while that player was out at batting practice, on a relatively daily basis, would grab baby powder and spread it around the stool at his locker. <laughs> and the player would come back in and say, who did this? What, what happened? Who did this? Because he was really mad because everybody knew it was like the most open secret in the clubhouse. But uh, pretty funny. One time in spring training, Keith Hernandez down in Florida asked the players to take an Audubon that he had in his home on their team truck back up to New York. They said, no problem, just bring it into the clubhouse and we'll load it onto the truck. So he brings the Audubon into the clubhouse, leaves it there, goes on air and is doing the game. Around the seventh or eighth inning, they just zoom into the Ottoman that's just sitting on the berm out in right field and a bunch of kids just playing on it. There's just like a zoomed in shot of the Ottoman and he's like, uh, is that my furniture out in right field? And they're like, yeah, basically, it's just hanging out there with it. You asked them to take it to uh, New York and that's that's the way it's going to get there. So those are good pranks. I like those. Yeah, those are actually good pranks. This, this is not yeah. this that yeah, not a good prank. Don't be messing with with stadium security. It's a real thing. Yeah. We literally just got through a year where there was like five or six different big fan with fan interactions mm-hmm. with players, and we talked about how we got to you know draw those lines again. Mm-hmm. And then you have somebody who who thinks it's funny to pull off some kind of uh, social media prank. It's we, just stupid. Yeah, we're gonna have Kelly Chase on the show next week, mm-hmm. and Chaser has a great story about uh, he and Hully stealing the head coach's car. So we'll, we'll get that one. Chase was at the game last night, wasn't he? Yeah, he and uh, Mark Grace. Yeah, I saw that. I think Grace was still down there. They had the same agent. Was it? Yeah, Barry Axelrod, same agent. And those and they played in Peoria together. That's what it was. They played in Peoria. Uh, the Cubs had the Peoria franchise a long time ago. The Cardinals have Peoria now. And the Blues farm team was in Peoria. So Chase and Grace got together and became fast friends. And they're so funny together. What a duo, Chase yeah. and Grace. You remind me of one of my favorite ones. Uh, more of a long burn prank, which was when Bobby Plager, uh, they all, all the, the team all got the same car. They all got the same cars from a dealership. So, and Bobby Plager started taking out his brothers when he would go out drinking late at night. And so, all of a sudden, the coach one time he's like, "Barkley, I'm getting these reports. You're out at these bars at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m." And Bob's just like, mm, "Yeah, yeah, Barkley, I can't believe you were doing that." That's that's <laughs> the long play prank that you get, you get the star of your team, your brother back by driving his car out to the bar at 2 a.m. That's the play by Mr. Plager. I love that. One one more. Did you work with Joe McGrain at MLB Network? I did. So when Joe was a rookie. He was the number one prospect. He had an ego. And in his first or second year, a bunch of his teammates got together and decided that uh, he was going to be a victim of a prank. So he gets a letter from GQ magazine because he was exceptionally (laughs) well-dressed. All right. And a photographer shows up at the Cardinals uh, at the clubhouse. And there's like 10 different really heavy wool suits in July in St. Louis. Uh-huh. And so he gets there at noon. So from noon to three, he's going out in the hot weather and he's wearing these suits. And the the shoot takes literally three and a half hours. And he's sweating. He's all worn out. But he thinks it's really cool because he's being in, he's going to be in JQ, GQ. Uh, and he finishes and then a couple of days go by and he doesn't hear from GQ. The magazine comes out. There's no, oh, no. Joe McGrain photo spread. And then he gets a letter from a GQ address and all it says are 
Roses are red, violets are blue. Hope you enjoyed it. There is no GQ. (laughs) And his players, his teammates set him up. Oh, what a burn. (laughs) With the poem, too. Perfect exclamation point. Oh, all right. That's a a high quality uh, rock and roll. Thank you, sir. Yeah, had to do it. All right. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, are we going to talk about our blues here? Are you willing to disassociate with the players that won the Stanley Cup? The Blues could have very few left. Maybe only Jordan Biddington if people get their way. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Thing. Alexa Dad is in for Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we here in St. Louis love the 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. They were great. They won the Stanley Cup. They brought us our first ever Stanley Cup and our first championship, obviously, since 2011, since the Cardinals won. But now, Alexa, we're at a point where the team is not performing well. Players are getting older. There's only, what, six or seven guys left that played for the Stanley Cup champions. And I wonder if emotionally our hockey fan base in St. Louis is ready to disassociate from the players. We'll always have that championship in our heart. But are we ready to move on from the players that brought us that Stanley Cup? That's so fast. That is Mm -hmm. such a quick turnaround. You're expecting to win another cup in a two, three-year span? Yeah, the window was supposed to be five years, right? Wow, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm telling you, as a hockey fan, somebody who's rooted for their team, the Capitals, for a really long time and waited and waited and was promised after our key franchise player, Alex Ovechkin, got there that we were going to win seven or eight <laughs> titles. You know, they finally get one. It, it's not as easy as it looks. I mean, come on. What are we talking about? And also, this was a Blues team that wasn't guaranteed the championship the year that they won it. No. The cup was very much in question, basically the first full half of the season until they clicked it and figured it out in January and February. So because of that championship and, and how much it means to this organization, I feel like these players should get a little bit longer of a leash, right? You would hope so, but they're victimized by the salary cap and by poor play and the fact that the Blues are in a position where, especially with Tarasenko and O'Reilly, who are the hallmark guys that are remaining from that team, along with Bennington, they don't want to have assets walk out the door and get nothing for them. So they almost have to, if unless they're going to resign him, have to be proactive and try to get something back in return. Yeah, but here's the thing. You're not going to get that much in return. So you're going to make, okay, so for Ryan O'Reilly, you're going to get a, a top pick. I think, yeah, you can get a number one pick. But you're not going to get that for Grice. You're not going to no. get that for Barbashev. You're not going to get that for Tarasenko. I, I think Barbie will have some value, and it's incumbent upon Vladdy. Here we are on January 27th. The trade deadline is March 3rd. If Vladdy has a representative month, scores half a dozen goals before the deadline, I could see Vladdy being a guy that draws a number one pick for a team that needs a goal score. No. Right now, he he's still, at the moment, fourth among active players in playoff goals per game. Well, think about it. 
he's going to have to go to a team that he wants to go to because he's right. got the no trade clause. Rangers. So if you look at those teams, are they willing to give up that much? And do they have the cap space? The, and do they have the cap space to give it back to the Blues? I, I don't see a fit there, Randy. That's the problem. So The, the and, one team that is easy is the Rangers. But yeah, you, your point is very well taken. It's a small number of teams that can be attractive enough for him to give up the no trade. It has to work out perfectly. Right. Everything has to fit. Space. And I don't know that Vladdy right now, okay, so a month later, I don't know if enough's going to change in order to garner that type of return. He's not going to get it right now. No. I don't know if a month a month down the road is going to make that big of a difference. He just needs to show that he can put the biscuit in the basket again. Yeah. We have a ton of mic drops. Let's get our first one from Luke here on 101 ESPN. Mayday. Mayday. We've lost all engines. This team is going down. Brace for impact. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'll tell you, it would have been a lot worse if Jordan Bennington was in that last night. Oh, man. You That's a kidding. saving grace Yeah, that the backup goalie was in there. Grace just hasn't played that much, so they wanted to get him some PT, but... Right. Had it been your, your starter, and then the sky's really falling, I think. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Let's get to Armin next up. Hi, good morning, Uncle Randy and Alexa. Uh, no, I don't think Craig Berube should be fired. I think it's all up to the players. Somebody or someone, they have to be held accountable, and this will light a fire under the other players and hopefully get things moving in the right direction. Watching the Blues play the way that they play this season is is hard to watch. I like Armand. Yeah. Reasonable, just cool-headed. Right. That's what Doug Armstrong needs to be, isn't it? And he is, we know. But you can't have a hothead GM. And so often in Blues history, they've gotten rid of the leader rather than improving the leader's legions. And that's what the Blues need to do now. They just need to get a better group. Maybe, I, I, as much as I love Doug Armstrong, have 100% faith in him, I don't think this is a very well put together unit this year. I, I think Army had an off year in putting together this particular group. Well, I do think that there's a couple different styles of play here, especially with these younger guys who have come up and they've got this energy and this intensity and then you have these veterans. So it's not gelling the way it should, but I don't think, I mean, you can, you can look at Craig Berube and say there are things that you can do better but he doesn't take all of the blame and you know heads don't roll because of that in this situation where we're at right now john is next here on 101 espn good morning randy alexa rock you asked the question if we've moved on from the st louis blues um i don't know but i'm glad i don't own a st louis blues jersey shop because it looks like they're gonna have to discount a lot of jerseys come late March and throughout the summer and order a lot of new ones. I think Doug Armstrong's going to be a busy man this year. 18, 25, and 50, if you want to get current players, are the ones that you should if you have interest in getting a new jersey purchased because you can count on those guys being around. Well, if you really want to count on a guy being around, now you might not like wearing the jersey, but 55. Yes, I would agree with that. Sign through 2030. A Kyrou Thomas also. I mean, I don't, I yeah. don't think that's a, a bad bet. But I think also you've got the Blues Hall of Fame that was just created. So exactly. why don't go get a Hall of Famer? Right. Nowadays, Jersey, well, Jersey sales are just so ridiculous because guys go 
you know, and are, are bounced around the league in every sport. I mean, you look at on social media, people people are constantly posting all of the different jerseys that they've purchased for their quarterback mm-hmm. or their receiver or, you know, their 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 favorite player. And it, they just go through them like, you know, candy at this point. Have you ever owned or purchased a jersey? Oh, Randy, the sad story of my jersey ownership for quarterbacks for the Washington Commanders. I owned probably seven or eight different jerseys because wow. they've had, you know, seven or eight different quarterbacks <laughs> over Mark, the course of Mark my... That Brunel jersey didn't take you very far? No, it did not. Neither did the Jason Campbell or the Donovan McNabb <laughs> no. or I keep going. So what I started to do, just to spite the franchise, is once the quarterback left, I would buy his jersey of the next franchise. So I have a Jason Campbell <laughs> Oakland Raiders, Raiders jersey. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've got a Donovan McNabb uh, Vikings? Minnesota Vikings jersey. Yeah. So all of these guys, once they, they left and basically, you know, the, the quarterback graveyard that we've left behind uh, was rotting away, I would go ahead and support their careers fully because I would say, I'm sorry with what happened to you here in Washington. Uh, please go flourish elsewhere. So this is before your time, but you may have heard the name in your household. I had a Heath Schuler number five jersey. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That yep. didn't work out very well either. No. He was post Mark Rippon. But then the other ones I had for, for the Rams were Isaac, Kurt. Um, did I have? Oh, Kyle Turley, because I did it for Halloween. I got the long blonde wig and did <laughs> Kyle Turley for Halloween. Awesome. And then the other one I got for $4, no, $3.99. Jason Seahorn was here for half a season, uh-huh. and he was on the field and fell down when Steve Smith scored on the long touchdown in o- double overtime, really the last chance the Rams had to ever go to or win a Super Bowl. And so I bought the $3.99 Jason Seahorn jersey. I bought some black paint, put it on a newspaper, put my shoe on the newspaper into the paint, and then stepped on the back of the Seahorn number 42. <laughs> so, And it, then I autographed it like it was a Steve Smith autograph with... The black uh, uh, paint. That is so paint. creative, yeah, Randy. Thanks. I wore also, that for a while. Extreme, I love that. Extremely mean. <laughs> but funny. But, tr- but true. But yeah. also mean. Yeah. But true. All right. Thanks for your mic drops. We do appreciate them. Coming up, we're going to get to Pro Football Hall of Famer Tony Baselli. He'll be on the call for the Chiefs and the Bengals on Sunday here on 101 ESPN. And he's coming your way on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think Ken Burns needs to make another part of his documentary about 2023. And it has nothing to do with the teams that are competing, who I think is the favorite to win the World Series. It has everything to do with a clock associated with a sport that no one ever believed a clock would be associated with it. The pitch timer will change the way we watch the game. The pace of play, it's just dynamic, guys. I'm letting you know what is about to happen in baseball is just going to be transformative. It's our buddy Greg Amzinger of MLB Network who told us, Alexa, that he believes that 2023 is going to be the greatest season in baseball history because we're getting athleticism back, we're getting legitimate pace of play back, and we're taking away a lot of the things that suppressed offense for such a long time. Okay, here's my question to both Greg and you, Randy. So suppressing offense, right? Okay, so we're bringing offense back. That's going to shorten games? That doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, here's... We're going to lengthen games by bringing more offense into the games. We are not because Mm -hmm. of two reasons. Number one, we Mm -hmm. have the pitch timer. 
There's multiple reasons here, okay? We're going to start with the pitch timer. Pitch timer's not going to save us that much time. I'm telling you. A lot of pitchers go 30 seconds between pitches, 25 seconds between pitches. Right now it's going to be 14 with nobody on base, 19 with somebody on base. If you're a hitter, you have to be back in the box with eight seconds on the clock. Nolan Arenado can't walk around home plate anymore. He's got to be in the box and ready to go. That's one part of it. But here's the biggest part of it, Alexa, is the three true outcomes – They're going by the wayside because you can't walk to the plate anymore and expect to take a walk because what's going to happen is these pitchers that throw 100 and have no idea where it's going, we're going to have pitchers that can spot the ball, that have command. You're either going to swing the bat or you're going to strike out looking. But hitters are going to have to come to grips with the fact that they're going to have to swing the bat. Pitchers who are not going to have the 30 seconds to recharge, are throwing 93 rather than 100. A lot more bat to ball. A lot more bat to ball. And then the other part of this is that defense becomes a part of the game again. The Cardinals, rather than having 10 guys strike out, will be hitting the ball on the ground to second baseman and shortstops when they make outs. I'm telling you, the amount of 1-2-3... Three up, three down innings that we saw last year for the Cardinals. That is not going to be the case this year, Randy. They're just going to be offensive barrages. You're going to see the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. It's going to take like 45, 50 minutes because you're just going to have guys hitting and hitting and hitting. And you don't have that defensive shift. That's going to be the amount of time that you are taking away from the game by adding the pitch clock and not having guys, you know, to do their special dances in the box. It's not... It's not enough. In AAA, they cut average game time by a half hour. But I'm telling rules. you, the offensive weapons at the pro level, it's going to completely change with the fact that they are going to have uh, these offensive outbursts. And by the way, if they do have the offensive outbursts, I don't care about length of game as much as I care about pace of play. But if I do have offensive outbursts where people are hitting the ball rather than just striking out or walking and then I get a three-run homer, if I have action, I'm cool with that. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I don't need to really change the game. I just want to change the action of the game. And I do believe you're going to have more action. I think inherently because of the the clock, you're going to have more action. Teams on those bang-bang plays, when you have six fewer inches between first and second and second and third base, it's going to make more sense to try to steal a base. Mm-hmm. And we have the shift. Okay, so you have to have two players on each side of second base. I think as big Alexa, and I've asked a lot of people about this, I want to get your take. So often, pretty much all the time, middle infielders start a play two yards into the grass behind the infield, now that players have to start the play with their feet on the dirt, you're not going to have nearly as much range as you had two yards behind the dirt. I think a lot more balls have a chance to get through. And if you have an infielder with with DeYoung and Edmund on the middle, that's really going to be a benefit to a team like the Cardinals. Oh, of course. If you're a player like a Cody Bellinger and you now all of a sudden have this side of the field that completely opens up, you don't have Manny Machado standing there snagging your balls left and right every single time you step up to the plate, that's going to completely change the way that you not only approach the game, but your your offensive, uh, you know, prowess. So, yes, for the Cardinals, this is going to be a big deal. I think for... For 2023, watching how the game evolves and how quickly it evolves is going to shock a lot of people because baseball is such a slow, evolving sport. And that's going to be the most interesting thing because a a guy like Mason Wynn, his skill set will translate so much more to the new game than last year's game. Yes. And we lived 
my favorite kind of baseball was Whitey Ball. In the, you saw the documentary that MLB Network did mm-hmm. on the 80s Cardinals. Not to that extent. Nobody's going to steal 314 bases. But I do think that the athlete is going to be restored in the game. And the guys like Mike Moustakis, who either hit a home run, strike out, walk, and can't play a lick in the field, I think those guys are going to be ruled out of the game. The old adage that baseball is boring... I think is going to completely be flipped on its head. I agree with you. And you're going to see older fans who maybe have been, you know, escorted out of the game because they just have been, you know, disenfranchised, bored. right? Yeah, for sure. Are going to start coming back. Yeah, I think so. And they're going to start realizing like, well, baseball, you get to see these players faces, which is the best part because, you know, they're not wearing a helmet. They're not hidden. You get to see their expressions. You get to see how much fun they're having. And while watching kind of how this game is going to evolve very quickly this season, you're also going to see how much fun they're having mm-hmm. now in the game and how some of these younger players are injecting that youth into the game, too. It's going to bring a lot of, of fans back. I want to get your take on this because I have a strong belief. You might not agree with me, and Cardinal fans might not agree with me until midseason. Will you be upset when Harrison Bader becomes a super-duper star with the Yankees? No. I, I won't either. I, I know what he's going to become with these rules, and he's going to become a superstar. Yes, he is. He's going to become a superstar, and I think that you we should tip our hat to him. Yes. He yeah. did everything he could here. And when he got traded, you got a great pitcher in return. Jaymont is going to be, I believe, a part of this rotation for the Cardinals going forward. Like I think the they get a yeah a long term deal done in spring training. I to think be so honest. too. And you know, all the best to Bader, and that's where he's from. He's yeah. a New York guy from Bronxville, so yeah. good for him. Uh, yeah, I I can't wait to see him play with these because with these rules because. He loves to run, and he has such joy when he's running, and he's just fun to watch play. And New York fans are going to love that. Love him. They're going to eat it up. That's Alexa. I'm Randy. Coming up, the AFC Championship game is at Kansas City on Sunday. You've got the Chiefs and the Bengals. Tony Baselli will have the call, and he joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Obviously, I feel like I can still do a lot of things, but uh, it's gonna. We'll, we'll see as we get closer and closer, and we'll see during the game. I mean, you can't fully do exactly what you're going to be in those moments in the game, but uh, all I can do is prepare myself the best way possible, and then when we get in the game, you hope adrenaline kind of takes over and you can make those throws when you need to. With Alexa Dat from Bally Sports, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. That was Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback. And we have the Chiefs and the Bengals at 5.30 on Sunday in the AFC Championship game. Jaguars Hall of Famer Tony Baselli will be on the call, and he joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Tony, always good to have you on the air here in St. Louis. How you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Hey, I want to start with this. Congratulations on the Jaguars season. And I love the trajectory of that football team. Your boots on the ground. You see them all the time. What is your thought on the trajectory of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, I think it's, it's super positive. I mean, the way they finished the season and even in the first half when they were, weren't winning games, they were they actually, I think, in the five-game losing streak, four of those games, they had the game. They had the lead in the fourth quarter with, I think, five or six minutes left, and just couldn't hold on. And so you saw the kind of the maturation of the team and a young team learning how to win under a really good head coach and Doug Peterson. So you go into next year knowing you have a top-end head coach who's an outstanding play caller as well, and you have a franchise quarterback. Those are two of the biggest pieces any every franchise is trying to get right. And the Jaguars have that right, so now you can build around it. And I think this, the future is uh, very uh, very bright for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Maybe more visits to the Waffle House in their future. So that, that'll be fun. Tony, good well, to talk to you. If you've never been you. to a Waffle House, I recommend it. They're very good food. It is. It's delicious. Yeah, fantastic. Always uh, great after midnight, by the way, too. That 1 a.m. Waffle House, that hits. <laughs> that hits for sure. Tony, let's talk a little chiefs Bengals For you, the X factor in this game is what? Well, I mean, I think the, the health of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, do, watching him against the Jaguars once he got hurt, I mean, he was limited in his movement, and that's what makes – I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback no matter what. But when he is able to escape the pocket, extend plays with that arm he has, that he, that's when he's just deadly. And so he was limited in that. Now, the Jaguars could not get to him. And the offensive line for the Chiefs did a great job when he was hurt. They actually stepped up. And I don't think the Jaguars probably pressured him as much as they uh, might have would have liked to and with the blitz and everything because he was a sitting duck a little bit. So what is his mobility? Um, how much, you know, what percentage is he at? And I think that's going to be critical uh, going you know, in determining this game because if he is unable to extend plays, unable to um, do all the magic that he usually does, or at least a good portion of it, I think it's a super tough game for the, the Chiefs to win. And, Tony, I, I would think that Lou Anarumo and that defense, they're probably going to be dialing up some pressures, right? Some things that, that maybe the Chiefs haven't seen on tape before, and they have the personnel to do that simply because of the perceived lack of mobility for Mahomes. Yeah, I think they're going to come after him. I agree with you 100%. I think it, they're going to be aggressive, especially early. Let's test Mahomes. Let's hit him. Let's see how much he can really move. Um, you got to believe that he's going to be, at, you know, in a much better situation than he was during that game when he got hurt right away. Um, rehabbing, taking care of it. It's four seven as far as taking care of that ankle right now. But I would expect the same thing. Get after him. You know, take some chances you might not normally take when he's a hundred percent. And if you can, you know, get him off kilter early in this game. Tony, as a Pro Football Hall of Famer, you obviously have seen your share of great players in the league. What makes Joe Burrow so great at not only his position, but just in general, better than other quarterbacks in the National Football League? Well, you know, uh, to me, you almost start with the the intangibles that he brings, the leadership, the just the like the the swagger, but not like out of control, like there's confidence about him that I think just he is infectious uh, with those around him. And then you look at his skill set, um, you know, good arm. I'm not saying it's, it's not Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but good arm, super accurate, smart as a whip, makes, you know, can pre-snap, read the defense, and throw the ball. And, uh, you know, he's an above-average athlete. He's not going to do what he, Mahomes does and run around like that, but he can, he can beat you with the leg, his legs if he has to. But I think it's just between the ears and his accuracy that just stand would really stand out and make him special. Tony, when I hear people talking about him in Cincinnati, the coaches and, and broadcasters like you, I get a Kurt Warner vibe because Warner, you watched him and you know him well. He's a guy that got up to the line of scrimmage and knew what he was going to do. Is that a fair comp, what Burrow sees and what Kurt saw when he was playing? You know, I mean, I think uh, you could probably say Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning was maybe the best ever of getting up to the line of scrimmage and di- uh, dissecting the defense. I mean, Tom Brady's done it second half of his career, like few. Um, and so I think a lot of the, you know, a number of the great quarterbacks have that quality, and, and Joe Burrow's right there. And then the, that on top with the on top of the accuracy that he has, where he's able to pinpoint that the football 
And, and it helps when you have uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase out there as well. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's got a full, full array of weapons that he can uh, distribute the ball to. Tony, does a win for Joe Burrow supplant him as the face of the NFL over Patrick Mahomes? Um, well, that's a great question. I think it's, you know, he'll be right there. I mean, I think Mahomes and what he's done early in his career, most people regard him as the, you know, more quarterback in this league. I could argue that it's Joe Burrow, just based on, you know, what he's done for the Cincinnati Bengals and where he's brought them. So, I think probably what will happen if Burrow wins, uh, Burrow wins, uh, it's a coin flip. You know, you have two guys, you know, and you can't forget about Josh Allen, who's right there and, and is special in his own uh, right. So, uh, the one thing in the AFC, if you want to get to the Super Bowl, it's the gauntlet of young quarterbacks. I mean, you got Burrow, you got Mahomes, you got Herbert, you got Josh Allen, you have Trevor Lawrence now, who went came into his own this year. You know, you talk about you know murderers row. Uh, it's it's a tough road to the Super Bowl through the AFC. Hey, one more thing, uh, Tony, and we, we've talked about both offenses. We talked about the Bengals' defense. What about what Spags will dial up against that talent? Does Kansas City have what it takes to match up to, uh, against the Chiefs' offense? And nobody's going to stop them, but can they slow them down enough so that Mahomes can score more points than the, the Bengals' de- uh, offense scores? Well, I got this guy named Chris Jones who's pretty special in his own right on the defensive line, and, and you got three backups starting for the Bengals. Now, they did a great job against Buffalo, but this is a different group at Kansas City because of Chris Jones. I mean, he can disrupt the entire game uh, from his defensive tackle position, and you got Carl Askis as a rookie who's a good pass rusher. you got Frank Clark who's a good pass rusher. So I think for the Chiefs to slow down and to, you know, win this game, I think that front four, have to have a big day. They got to blitz with. I mean, they have to rush the pass with four. Try to limit the blitz. You know, Spags is going to blitz. I mean, he's an aggressive guy. But if he can win with four and play coverage against guys like T. Higgins and and Jamar Chase, that's going to give them a great chance uh, to win that game. Who do you got? Who do you think is going to win? I think it's going to. I think Bengals in a really close game, only because you know, depending on the severity of. Mahomes' ankle, but I, you know, having had a high ankle sprain, by no means was I quarterback. That's a painful injury, and he is not going to be 100. percent And so, if he gets hit early, you wonder how he responds. And so, just because of that alone, I give a slight edge to the Bengals. Hall of Famer Tony Baselli, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in here on 101 ESPN on Sunday afternoon, and you enjoy that AFC Championship game and some of that Casey barbecue. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's Tony Baselli. He is great. The first Jaguar ever to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame last summer. So interesting, the Jaguar season, right? And Trevor Lawrence coming into his own like he was talking about. I mean, just rising out of basically the ashes. Here's this Phoenix, Trevor Lawrence. Where did he come from? And here we go. And all of a sudden now he's he's in the conversation for, uh, you know, quarterbacks that could are on the verge of being elite. And over the last 10 games, he was the best passer in the league. Yep. So you've got guys that aren't playing anymore, like him, like Josh Allen, like Lamar Jackson, like Justin Herbert. Plus, you have Burrow and Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Good luck in picking Pro Bowl quarterbacks for the next half dozen years in the AFC. <laughs> good point. Uh, there's seven of them. I left somebody else out. So it's it's pretty good. They're, uh, uh, the AFC quarterback situation is in very good hands. Correct. And then there's Russell Wilson. No. Uh, what? Uh, did I say that out loud? I was just thinking that. I mean, That's right. I mean, come on. The, 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 I mean, we're just going to let Zach Wilson get off scot-free? Come on. If hey, I have to see one of those Subway commercials again with Russell Wilson, I, I'm not doing it.
I'm not watching him. No, He's not at all. I'm not watching him. Yeah. So just with, with Zach Wilson, so they might bring in Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> all right. So does he just does he go home and say, "Mom, I'm depressed. What do I do?" <laughs> Can I have your phone? Nathaniel, <laughs> can you please help me out? Mom, hey, Mom, I can mean, I just, can I borrow your phone? I'm just going to look for your contacts real quick. He's a baby. He needs some help. Yes, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, not that kind of help. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I need a babysitter, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. I can't believe that that's where your mind went. <laughs> But I'm proud of you. Uh, coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch with what's on tap as we head, o- head toward a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Down the stretch of this week of the opening drive on 101 ESPN, Alexa Dat, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio, and every day this week we have your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler live at Enterprise Center on Friday, February 10th. Limited tickets remain to see Adam live for one night only at Enterprise Center. Get all the details and find a bounce chance to register to win free tickets for Sandler right now at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. But right now all you have to do is text us, 314-399-9646. If you you can answer Matthew's question correctly, and whether or not it's about Stan Musial or not, we don't know. <laughs> it's but, not going to be about Stan the Man. Musial. Uh, <laughs> okay, so what do we Stan. got? So we we doing a little some trivia about the sports movies that Adam Sandler has has been so great in. So this one is about the movie The Water Boy. So he joins the South Central Louisiana State University football team as the Water Boy, and eventually their outside linebacker. What is the mascot of the South Central Louisiana State University football team mm. in the movie The Water Boy? What is the mascot of the South Central Louisiana State University in which Bobby Boucher plays outside linebacker and the water boy position? That's my quality H2O. That's my quality H2O. <laughs> oh no, we suck again! <laughs> His medulla oblongata. <laughs> Oh, she's, the okay. de- she's the devil, Bobby. I love that movie so much. Text in so the Air much. Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. So tomorrow, we have the Blues and Avalanche pregame at 1 o'clock, faceoff at 2, but that is not a Bally game. I guess it's, what, an ESPN or something like that? Correct. So... Uh, Alexa will not be on the pregame for you tomorrow, but you'll be back as I look at the next time the Blues are in action. It's against Winnipeg on Monday night. Monday night. We will be there. Fortunately for you, you will not be in Winnipeg. No, no, no. Not in Winnipeg. We'll be here. But it'll just be... I think just as cold. Winnipeg's freezing right now. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's cold here, It could be too. super cold here, right? Yeah. Somebody told me... I think Matthew told uh, me. A week from today, the low is six. But I'm going to take advantage of my weekend off. Go the spend some time. 50. Yeah, in Union Station. Go ride the Ferris wheel. It's great. Go get some some dinner. Delicious dinner. Are you an aquarium person? Yeah, I like it. aquariums. The aquarium there is cool. I'm just, I'm not enthralled. I, I love going, but like I wouldn't go to a city because they had a great aquarium. I, I love having hours here. And I've gone to aquariums in other cities, but I don't find it as much of a destination as the people in charge of tourism appear to find it a destination. I would agree. I think it's also probably a better activity with kids. Yeah, no doubt. Because they can run around and it's, I mean, it's mesmerizing when you're two feet tall. We do have one cool thing. I hope they still have it. A blue lobster. You ever seen a blue lobster? 
No. Our blue lobster is named Stanley. And at the St. Louis Aquarium at Union Station, it's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. But okay. it is. It's And it's like blue's blue. It's great. I'll have to hang out with Stanley then. Go yeah. say hi. Maybe you can help the uh, fortunes of his uh, the team that he's supposed to be named after. Yeah, that would be nice. We need to help those fortunes. Five nothing loss last night. And we did a pretty good job, I think, of... Uh, I'm kind of suppressing our, our blues talk this morning <laughs> because there's not really a whole lot to say that's positive. Oh, uh, the PK's been good. We could say that. Yep. Randy, in, in this week alone, I, I've titled our, our hockey segments. I used the word scummy to talk about <laughs> the Vancouver Canuck, Canucks. Excuse me. Um, I also, yesterday, the day before... Or yesterday before they lost five zero, my comment on on our little show post was until they fix the defense, abandon hope. Yeah. So I, I'm not doing as good as of holding back my true thoughts about the Blues as you guys did this morning. So congratulations. Okay, here's hope. the thing though: if they play really no, no, well I'm against abandon, the Avs, abandon hope. If they play really well against the Avs and the Jets, let's just say for for they, they play really well against, against the, the Avs and, and the Jets. Jets. Okay, what will you do, what will you think? Coming out of that Jets game, Alexa, I'm, I'm riding the roller coaster. I'll say, "Well, we're only three points out of a playoff spot." You know, I'm going to do that, right? <laughs> so I'm just, yeah, that's why I'm like c- confused as well as to why we're abandoning hope just yet. I'm not because ready. They lost five nothing last night to the to the uh, Coyotes. The I know, Coyotes, I Alexa. know, but you saw them play really well. Okay, first of all, you saw them play really well against the Preds. Don't give me that face. Yeah, they yes, did yes, really fine, well, fine, fine, and that fine, was fine. that was just a couple games ago. Obviously, the Blackhawks game was not good, but then. Against the Sabres, I mean, early, the first half of the first period was not good, but the rest of the game they played really well and almost came back. They have one four-goal comeback in their history and almost made it two. I feel good about that. Alexa? Am I grasping my straws? Am I really trying here? I think you're you're not... Factually incorrect. The Blues official (laughs) Stanley Cup championship video from 2019. (laughs) The first voice you hear, I believe, is either me or Bernie Miklas, but I do say that... This team is terrible, and they have no chance to win the Stanley Cup. That's the very first thing you hear on the whole video. Don't you love that? They're coming after you. <laughs> yeah. You know, my favorite part is, you know, what, you want another one of the voices who's like bashing the Blues and saying they're never going to be good. They're terrible this year. They need to pack it in. It's Darren. Darren over on TMA. Oh, He's also in one of the voices that's who's great. like, they suck. They're terrible. They just just pack yeah. it in this year. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Hey, it makes sense. I get sense it. You too. want your team to be better. Yeah, I understand. But I mean, consistent, especially with hockey. I'm I'm more level headed with baseball. Mm. I'm just in. I admit it. At least I mean I'm inconsistent. You have a lovely weekend. It is so much fun to work with Alexa Dad. Awesome to work with you. Thank you for having me this week. You got it, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, sounds good. That's Alexa. I'm Randy. Great job by Matthew, our producer engineer. Pleasure. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And for all of us, well, by the way, we'll see you at the championship bash at Helen Fitzgerald's on Sunday. The entire crew, Car Shield, Bud Light, David Taylor, Ellisville, AFC and NFC championship games on the TVs at Helen Fitzgerald's. Kicks off with a live pregame show at 11. I will see you during the second game. We'll hope to see all of you at Helen Fitzgerald's for the champ bash. Brought to you by Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Dodge Jeep Ram in Ellisville. And if we don't see you there, we'll see you on the radio, Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.